When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the IDP show. I'm your host, Josh Raymer, joined in the virtual so check here on Black Friday. It is the lead IDP analyst for reality sports online, contributor to the IDP show.com, Jake Colhagen. Jake, how are you, my friend? Doing good, doing good. Still feeling uh, some of that tryptophan, but, uh, you know, talking football is a good way to recover from anything. I know. That was uh, a great. Day yesterday, I've mentioned several times on the podcast before, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. So it's it's football. You get to hang out with your family. It's awesome food. You know, I hate all the people. I hate it for all the people that have the turkey takes on Twitter saying turkey is so gross. I'm just like, well, you've just never had someone cook really good turkey because when you get good turkey, uh, it's not a food that we have year round. So it's kind of a nice little treat. We had a lot of great side dishes. Uh, and yeah, the tryptophan, uh, I'm still feeling the effects of it. But yes, there is no better way to shake off the cobwebs than doing a week 12 preview podcast. And Jake, I'm happy to have you on today's show, making your debut in the IDP show feed, but not on the website. You've been doing some outstanding work for us with the start sit article, which has been presented by Reality Sports Online. That's actually how we got synced up with you. You were doing IDP content for our favorite uh, dynasty platform, Reality Sports Online, and uh, kind of linked arms this season. I've been doing some cool stuff for the website, and uh, just great to have you on board, man. Glad to have you on the show today. Excited to be a part of the team here with you guys. Yeah, I mean, Reality Sports Online, I could I could go on and on about uh, how that is an amazing platform. Uh, the contracts, you know, everything automated, automated, all the extensions, franchise tags, all the favorite features, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe the favorite feature of it all is how to hook me up with you guys. I'm excited to be here, excited to work with you guys. And uh, yeah, I know we got some things, uh, things lined up down the line too that we'll, we'll get into at some point. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, big things, as we always like to tease going on with the IDP show. Big things for this episode. Jake, we're going to go through game by game and hit some highlights. We're not going to talk about every single player. Uh, you may have some free time. I doubt you have four hours for a player by player preview, but we're going to hit some highlights here from each game. But Jake, we're going to kick things off with questions from our supporters. Of course, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so over at the idpshow.com. Every week we send out the Q&A thread. So you can ask whatever questions you have related to IDP, and we'll answer them here on the preview podcast. And we're going to continue that in uh, in the offseason as well. So make sure you check out the idpshow.com. But first up, Jake, we have a couple questions from Dustin Keel. And I will tee you up here on this first one, because this is something I know you have been writing a lot about in your Start Sit article. 
Because as you're thinking about who should we start, who should we sit, especially at D-line, there are certain factors that you are weighing when it comes to, is this person a good start? Do we need to sit them down? So the first question from Dustin is, how do you know if a matchup is good for a defensive end? It seems like the idea for cornerback is to target high passing offenses, right? So what's the thought for defensive ends when it comes to matchups? Jake, what's your take on this? Yeah, absolutely. I think defensive ends, you know, you guys talked about it a ton. You want to go after those big names at times and, and the high point of your drafts or those are the big ones you want to get because they deliver consistently. So so what do you do when you don't have them, right? You go after the streaming process or you try to figure that out. And, and what does that look like for a defensive end? So for me, and like you said, I talk about it in the article several times uh, each week, but really there's a few predictive things you want to look at. So you want to look at the pressures that a defensive lineman is actually creating. That is a very strong indicative, you know, measure to say, hey, this is when a person is actually creating or being successful on the field. Some people, you know, want a box score chase. You know, we th- you've talked about at times and they really want to focus on that sack and getting that and, and making things happen that way. Well, that is exactly what we want to see in our IDP lineups. However, it's not a sticky stat, right? So that's not something that is going to happen week in, week out, or just because they got one sack one week, it means they're going to keep doing it every other week. Um, so you want to look for more of those predictive things in nature. And, and pressures is the first one you want to start looking at. Um, outside of that, what leads to pressures is that pass rush win rate, right? So when are they actually winning their rep one-on-one every time, or in some cases like Aaron Donald, three-on-one. But <clears throat> needless to say, when they're winning those reps, again, that's indicative to say they have the skill sets to do that. And especially in IDP, I always like in defense aligned to the one position where you want to chase skill the most because that's the one that's going to lead to success the most. So you really, really want to take a look at those things from an individual standpoint and see who is creating those pressures, who's winning in those pass rush, uh, pass rush wins, uh, one-on-one reps. And then you want to look at the matchup, right? Because that's the other part of you know going ahead and streaming when you're doing defensive line is look at that offensive line as a whole and really look at the pressures they're allowing uh, and that pressure rate. So when you look at those things, that's the same thing, right? Is that or is that offensive line losing its reps more consistently? And what you want to do is find the nice intersection somewhere in between there. Sometimes, you know, you don't get both. Uh, but when you can find that mashup perfectly of an uh, offensive line that's struggling or is allowing pressures and a defensive lineman who's consistently creating them, there's a, there's a high likelihood that you're going to go ahead and be able to deliver in that sack department or big play department for yourself in that, in that consideration. Um, outside of that, there's other specific matchup considerations you might want to look at if you really want to, you know, dive down into it like a nerd like me. Uh, and some of those things look at, you know, like the sack conversion rate and the time to throw by a quarterback. Those are things that indicate, hey, this guy's holding on to the ball too long or, you know, they're trying to make plays after the fact. And that's what defensive linemen need. You, you know, at the highest level, it seems like nothing. Right. But you're talking when you can go from two to three seconds or two and a half to three seconds in terms of giving a defensive lineman a chance to get home. That's that's the difference that they need sometimes for, to go from, you know, goosing in the sack department to to delivering that big play. Um, and then lastly, you know, looking at the plays ran by opponent. So, you know, do they have an offense that's actually going to go out there and sustain drives? Uh, we'll talk about a little later in the Carolina matchup. They're the lowest plays ran in the entire NFL. Not not great, Bob, when you're looking at uh, when you're looking at trying to deliver uh, plays when you're only getting so many opportunities a game. Yeah, fantastic answer there, Jake. That's the sort of constellation that we want to put together of factors, right, is 
like you mentioned, individual skill. These are players going against another highly skilled NFL player on every single rep. So this is where talent matters. And those two factors that you mentioned are really indicative, uh, both in terms of pressures, uh, pass rush win rate, which is by far the hardest statistic to say <laughs> on a podcast. Is. It's very difficult, but uh, that's those are the two kind of on the individual side two very important stars that you want to see in that constellation. And then, yeah, look at offensive line ranking on PFF. They have every sort of group for every team graded out. So sort by pass blocking for the offensive line. That'll give you a good idea of how good or bad this team is doing at stopping these defensive linemen. Uh, That's another great way. And then, yeah, Jake, you have in your notes here game script as well. Uh, This is something that is a little less important, the game script, because you that is a little bit um, our ability to predict game script, I think, is vastly overstated, especially this year when we're seeing a lot of games that we thought would go a certain way turn out totally different. A lot of good teams drop easy games, quote unquote. So. I think you should think about possible game script, but I'm maybe only using it as like a tiebreaker. If all the other factors are even, which there are so many factors here, there probably is not going to be some sort of even split between two streaming options. But yeah, it's it's really far down the pecking order. But uh, so there you go, Dustin. Those are some uh, considerations for your defensive end streamers. Second question here, Jake, and I know my answer to this. Which linebacker would you prefer for upside? And I want to be in Dustin's league because, my God, if you have all of these options, maybe it's like a start one linebacker type of thing, but which linebacker would you prefer for upside? Nick Bolton, Voice to Lewican, Roquan Smith, or TJ Watt? Jake, for me, this is an easy answer. It's TJ Watt, short of maybe Micah Parsons, who's just been healthier this year. TJ Watt has the most upside for any IDP in the entire league. So if you're swinging specifically for upside, Jake, that's my pick. What about you? It, it has to be. Uh, I mean, you look at what TJ Watt does to the NFL game when he's out on the field. He just absolutely wreaks havoc. I mean, just delivering chaos play after play. You look at, uh, was it, yeah, last week he comes back in, you know, doesn't play necessarily a full complement of snaps that he normally does. Doesn't get to the quarterback, but what does he do? He rips out a pass out of the midair from, you know, five yards away from the quarterback and makes that big play interception, right? So um, and, and unless there's some, you know, scoring consideration here, you're super tackle heavy. You know, Nick Bolton might be maybe one of the bigger ones to swing for with his tackle efficiency and snaps. But, I mean, in, in most scoring considerations, he, Watt's going to just give you everything that you need. And, yeah, hands down, T.J. Watt. Yeah, most most leagues, even if they're super tackle heavy, are still going to weight sacks and TFLs more than tackles. So, yes, unless you have like this crazy jacked up scoring for tackles, uh, if it's if it's a more traditional style scoring league where the sacks and TFLs are the biggest kind of considerations when it comes to statistical output, I'm going TJ Watt as well. Let's move to our last question here, Jake, from Leland Taylor. And this is an easy answer. Is there a good resource that keeps track of where players are taking their snaps in the box, deep, etc.? Thanks, y'all. Love the show. Leland, this is very easy. It is PFF. This is the only place on the web that you're going to get this kind of alignment data because they're the only ones who watch every snap of every player. 
if you'd like a sampling, maybe you don't want to get a PFF subscription right now. If you have a, a handful of players, maybe you just want to know, hey, where, where are these guys lining up? Hit up John Macri at PFF underscore Macri on Twitter. He is awesome about sending out those alignment uh, alignment data for different players. So thank you, Leland, and thank you to Dustin for the questions. Again, if you'd like to submit questions for future episodes, theidpshow.com. That's a great feature we have for our paid supporters. Jake, let's get into the Week 12 game-by-game game preview and kick things off with a team that you already mentioned. It is the Panthers versus the Broncos. And we've got from the past five weeks, we're going to be talking about some points per game leaders here. I specifically want to call out, though, Jake, on the Broncos side of things, one of your sits at linebacker. And I think you're actually in opposition with the aforementioned John Macri on this player. It is the long, greasy haired wonder, Alex Singleton, averaging 10.32 points per game over the last five weeks and 59% of snaps. You had him as a sit. Jake, what is what was going through your mind when you named Singleton as a sit for this week? Absolutely right. So when we look at linebackers, the, the baseline is snaps played. He, he's clearly surpassed Jonas Griffith on the depth chart. He's moved up into that number two role. Uh, the Broncos have been a strong uh, IDP producer at the linebacker spot. So Singleton makes sense, right? He's, he's getting the snaps now. Um, not ideal, though, right? He's still only at 59% since kind of surpassing Griffith. Um, but he is just Mr. Tackle efficiency for his career. You look, I think he's got a 20 or 21% career tackle efficiency, which is Absurd. People do that in a year, and you're like, "Wow, this is this is an outlier. This is a league winner type thing, um, potentially." But he he just finds a way to keep doing it. Uh, but I go back to what is that opportunity? That's the baseline, right? It's cool if a guy you know has Deshaun Jackson averages 20 yards a catch, but if he only gets two catches because he only gets three targets, is is he truly worth it? Um, and that's kind of what I'm seeing here in this Panthers matchup. Um, maybe the shakeup with Darnold at quarterback. Uh, will spark this offense and they'll sustain some drives, giving the Denver defense plenty of opportunities to rack up those uh, IDP production. But I'm leaning on the side of nope this week. And I just don't see that between Jewel, Singleton, and all the other talent they have there that they're going to go ahead and, and be able to feast um, all together. So maybe he stands out on his own above everyone else. I think there's just not enough of this Thanksgiving pie to go around. And uh, for me, he's a sit this week. Good Thanksgiving ref right there. I love that. Yeah, it's a difficult needle to thread here. And I think if you have better options, this is a good week to set Singleton down. We should mention, speaking of linebackers there, Josie Jewell sitting at 77% of snaps. If you hear a low number for some of these players, keep in mind, some of these guys have been banged up. They've been out of the lineup. That was the case with Josie Jewell. He was out of the lineup a few weeks back, but has been... Healthy and playing 100% of snaps and absolutely balling out 17.13 points per game. One of the highest point per game leaders at the linebacker position over the last five weeks. You're plugging this guy in with confidence. Draymond Jones, we've talked about him a little bit as well. 13.84 points per game, 78% of snaps. Don't forget, Baron Browning is back as well. So if you have him, you might look at plugging him back in because he was on a tear before he got injured. Let's talk about the Panthers side of things. Of course, Brian Burns sits atop the mountain when it comes to points per games, points per game for the Panthers. But Frankie Louvu, Shaq Thompson, we saw 
a couple of lineback- linebackers last week for the Panthers playing 100% of snaps in Luvu and Shaq Thompson, his running mate, Jake. Are we confident firing both of these guys up week in and week out? I think you have to be at this point. Uh, that offense, uh, you know, to the other side of the ball, we're talking about not sustaining drives as such. That means that they're going to be passing it back over to you know, any offense, even if it is a Denver offense led by Russell Wilson, um, you're still going to see plenty of opportunities there. And I, I love Lubu's pass rush upside. He was someone, um, you know, who had spent some time at edge in the past. And you can see that, that that's showing through and what he's been able to produce and some of that big play upside for him this year. So I, I, I love Lubu going forward as, as that upside guy, um, especially getting the higher complement of snaps. And yeah, Shaq Thompson's just kind of that, that gobble up the tackles machi- machine in the middle of the field. So you got you got to you got to put them both out there most pretty much every week at this point. I agree. Unless something changes and we see a trend where maybe Luvu snaps or Shaq Thompson snaps, because it's been a little bit up and down for both this season. We've had questions about rolling both of these guys out there, and now we have questions if you can roll both out there at the same time. I think the answer is yes as well. And we're going to mention we talked a little bit about TJ Watt already with the listener questions, but. There are few players in the league. He's obviously the biggest lift for IDP managers to get back at this point in the season. But don't underestimate, Jake, getting back. Jeremy Chin steps right back in. He came off IR last game, 100% of snaps, 11 points. In a year that's been kind of wonky for DB, it's nice to have a guy like Jeremy Chin back in our lineups. Totally agree. He was one of those plug and play or set and forget, right? You know, you it's nice to have that back. And he showed, yeah, that he is truly ready to continue and deliver that. Um, even with two linebackers producing significant numbers in the middle of that defense. So, um, yeah, it's nice for a guy who we had some questions about at the start of the year, especially his utilization. You know, he was in the box a bunch and he was playing deep a bunch. You know, he's just finding ways to score points out there for, for IDP. And, yeah, I think at this point going forward for the rest of the year, if you got him back in your lineup, you got to be start, starting pretty much every point or every point this week. So that's right. Well, let's move to the next game here. Jake talk Falcons versus commanders. This is a sneaky, good matchup more so than I thought we would be getting from Washington and Atlanta in week 12 of the 2022 NFL season. But here we are two interesting teams that are both in the mix for, if not the division, the wild card. So let's start on the Falcons side of things. And uh, you wanted to call out a particular player that we've mentioned a little bit on the show who clocks in at number four here. Who is the first player from the Falcons that you wanted to show some love to? Uh, I love my boy, Richie Grant. So, you know, me and Mac, we may disagree on um, Alex Singleton this week, but we both agreed on Richie Grant coming in last year. He he was someone who showed out uh, in his college tape, really capable of playing in the box. Uh, Didn't get a chance last year. He spent a lot of time. Uh, just, you know, learning, you know, that's what Dean P's defense was apparently he needed for it. And now he's coming in, he's getting a chance to play more in the box. He's getting about 20 snaps a game there and, and he's delivering and he's finding ways to make plays uh, in the passing game as well. He's got several interceptions, I think two, maybe three this year. Um, and he's just consistent. He's, he's one of the top scoring safeties this year because of that consistency. Um, and as such, I, I love to see that. And I hope that he just uh, continues rolling forward with that. And, and Dean P's realizes what he's got in that guy. Love it. Yeah, he was one of the biggest disappointments last year because we had high hopes stepping into that role that he was going to inherit in this Falcons defense and let IDP managers down. But I think that's a great opportunity when you're going from one season to the next. Pay attention to those players who had high expectations and disappointed because like we're going to talk a little bit later about some guys like what's going on here? 
it's the rookies. Like this is a hard enough transition for any player, but especially when you have high expectations heaped upon you, whether it's by real NFL fans or IDP managers, that creates a larger opportunity for disappointment if that person falls short of typically lofty expectations. So keep an eye on those players from one year to the next because you typically see a lot of growth from year one to year two year two to year three as people get better at their craft. I would hate for to be in a new job and have someone standing over my shoulder critiquing every word that I write, you know, as a writer. Uh, so we can't imagine the scrutiny these players are under. A lot of them are, you know, 21, 22 years old. So these are young men trying to learn an entirely new craft uh, at the NFL level, become professionals. So yeah, be patient with guys like Richie Grant, like some of the other folks we're going to talk about later in the show. Jake, I wanted to ask you this. Rashawn Evans is the points per game leader over the last five for the Falcons, 16.91, 98% of snaps, but he is a UFA in 2023. What's your outlook for Rashawn Evans long-term? So for me, you know, they drafted Troy Anderson, and they're finding a way to get Troy Anderson on the field right now. Uh, Michael Walker is still in that mix too, and he's one of the heavier uh, snap counts in that linebacker room. To me, this this smells of, you know, hey, we're getting the guys ready who are going to be here next year, and, you know, Evans, you're going to walk. And, and you look at exactly what happened with Roquan Smith uh, this offseason and, and into this season as well. There's not a strong market, you know, for linebackers to be a key piece of a defense, right? Um, you know, you play on all 22 and you see the the weighted contract scoring, linebackers one of the lowest, right? It's just not something teams that, you know, are rebuilding or are trying to, you know, right the ship that they're going to be spending money on. So unless Evans is like, I really love the ATL, <laughs> he's he's going to be walking and finding a new home. They're going to use the, the, the value contracts they have right now and find other pieces and build around the team differently. Yeah, I think he's been a nice veteran who stepped in for a team that's clearly still rebuilding. They're going to drop a new quarterback in, presumably next year, whether that's Desmond Ritter, whether that's a high draft pick. Um, and yeah, they're going to continue to build around this good nucleus of players they have, right? A.J. Terrell, um, we mentioned Richie Grant. Uh, they have a couple of young edge rushers that we like a lot. So uh, Troy Anderson's an up-and-coming linebacker. So yeah, I think this is a situation where it's like, Rashawn Evans, thank you for your service, but we're going to roll forward with Michael Walker and Troy Anderson. Let's shift gears here and talk about the Washington Commanders, Jake. And I just want to call attention to, I don't know that this you would find this in any other team in the NFL except for Washington, but you love to see it as an IDP manager. They're two leading points per game, folks. Over the last five weeks, Jonathan Allen, 15.04 on 85% of snaps. Deron Payne, 14.34 points per game on 87% of snaps. Jake, these guys have just been awesome this season. And you love to see number three on the list, Montez Sweat, 11.18 on 70% of snaps. And you're going to drop Chase Young back into this thing here very soon. What does that do for you with this very nice combination of defensive line talent that we have? How do you see the uh, forecast for these guys changing, dropping a guy like Chase Young back into the mix? So I, I got to assume that, you know, the way they've been holding Chase Young out and, you know, there's talks that he was going to play last week, two weeks ago, whatever it was, um, they're, they're going to be cautious with him. And, and Young, I would, I think the best case for them 
is to start dropping him in rotationally whenever he truly can be active and, and suit up for a game. Uh, as such, these guys are going to keep doing what they've been doing, and as they should. I, I, I can't remember the last time I've seen a defensive line. I think this is four first-round picks that you're starting across your defensive front, which, <clears throat> again, just back to the other team talking about re-signing Evans, clearly the value is other places. Um, you know, A lot of teams valuing edge rushers or strong interior defenders. They have some of the elite of the elite in that regard they're going to just keep doing what they're doing. And if Young comes in and he's fully healthy and he can take a full complement of snaps, they're they're all just going to continue to eat. Yeah, it's been fun to watch this defensive line finally start to come to fruition. The whole team was disappointing last year, so it's been a nice bounce back. We like having Taylor Heineke and his customized Jordans after every game leading the offensive side. And so this is a more fun team than we anticipated. And we should mention as well, it's because they're getting contributions from other guys outside the defensive line. Jamin Davis has stepped up in place of Cole Holcomb and been a serviceable piece for IDP. 10.6 points per game over the last five, averaging 88% of snaps. Cole Holcomb in the games he has played, nine and a quarter. Looking at the practice reports, the, the, the thing that I was able to find, not a lot of news out there, did not practice Wednesday. Of course, yesterday, Thanksgiving, not a lot of reporting going on. So I would anticipate probably being without Cole Holcomb for another week. And then once he comes back, yes, I think you can have some level of confidence, possibly rolling him out for like start of the playoffs. Uh, but I'm always hesitant to plug a guy back in coming off a sustained absence. I'd rather just see what the team is going to do and make sure they don't swerve or ease this guy back in. Uh, it's just we don't want a Miles Jack situation where a guy comes out and gives you a big goose egg because the team wants to ease him back in. We should mention as well the safeties, Derek Forrest. Cam Curl, Bobby McCain all played 100% of snaps last week for the Commanders. I think I agree with Adam. I think Derek Forrest is legit for IDP purposes. He is actually outscoring Curl over the last five games, 9.7 to 9.35. I'm a Cam Curl manager in our main RSO league, and I picked up Derek Forrest. So I'm not afraid. I'm going to wait and see how this shakes out. But Jake would be kind of weird to have a team in 2022 where possibly three safeties are viable for IDP. Yeah, it, it, it feels weird to say it, and especially when you see how they're doing it, right? They're getting out there, and they're not living on big plays. They're just being able to be out there um, based on the formations that they're they're running out there, and these guys are delivering in that in that space. Now, now Derek Forrest is, uh, the past few weeks, has made some really big plays, some nice plays in coverage. Uh, but that, that shouldn't be held against him, right? I mean, he's out there doing what he needs to do and delivering in, in all phases of the – at all levels of the field. He's able to get up there and make some plays at the line of scrimmage. Um, he's able to defend deep and make some nice interceptions, especially that one against Philadelphia in primetime. That, that was a heck of a pick. It looked like he had it the first time, lost it, bumped, bumped A.J. Brown and found a way to still grab it and, and make the play. So, you know, I'm, I'm a manager as well in my league, and as such, I, I, I want to see him succeed, and, and he's, he's been consistent, but, yeah – I mean, Forrest is just out there making a name for himself week in and week out. So you, you got to put some respect on what he's done for sure. And this is a situation to monitor because, like Adam pointed out, this is likely because they have been without Cole Holcomb recently. So it's three safeties plus Jamin Davis. Um, keep an eye on when Cole Holcomb gets back into the lineup. 
I think we're going to see that impact Jamin Davis. I also think we're going to see that impact at least one of these safeties. Now, the question for me is, is it Cam Curl or is it Derek Forrest that goes to the bench? Because both these guys have been playing exceptionally well on the field. So keep an eye on that in the weeks ahead. The one thing to pay attention to there is I totally agree with you. Uh, Cam Curl, I do believe, is is wearing the green dot in the in the absence, too. So that's just one thing we might want to pay attention to and consider. And, and you know, Jameen Davis has not been super strong. He's been serviceable, to your point. So, you know, it might be Davis who ends up taking a backseat when Holcomb comes out as well if they love what they got in these safeties, too. So I, I agree. Watch it overall. But there's several factors or, or variations to consider. Absolutely, yeah. Keep in mind that maybe Jamin Davis, who just gets – pushed off the field and they keep these three safeties out there the team is playing well so who knows how they will proceed just a situation to keep an eye on next game up here jake is texans versus dolphins and the texans points per game leaders let's kick things off with the ageless wonder jerry hughes 12.81 points per game 61 percent of snaps I think most folks are plugging in Jerry Hughes, Jake, but a fun question from our friends over at the IDP Blitz with Sigmund Bloom, Gary Davenport. They were doing kind of an either or for looking ahead to the fantasy playoffs. And Sig asked Gary, Trey Hendrickson or Jerry Hughes rest of season. And Gary actually went with Jerry Hughes. And I don't think I disagree. Uh, Jerry Hughes, despite the age, despite the fact he's playing on what is essentially a minor league team in the Houston Texans, has been super productive this year for IDP managers. I think if you've got him, you may be feeling some like IDP MVP type of vibes because you basically had to spend nothing to get this guy. Nope, I totally agree. And, you know, it's one of those things is is it's a little bit of, you know, mental conditioning, right, where Trey Hendrickson had the big year last year, and then he, he was successful, uh, very successful in New Orleans the year before with the big sack numbers. So are we, are we almost giving him a little too much hype in terms of his name? Now, Hendrickson had a massive week last week, too, and, and he's still uh, able to contribute in, in such strong ways. But I just, I, Houston, I'm a, I'm a Houston enthusiast myself, so... Uh, this one's a little near and dear to my heart, so I'm trying not to be too biased. But they don't have much else out there. And Hughes has found ways to be productive with very little else out there, too. So, um, you know, this is this is something where I think Hughes is the guy rest of the season. Now, I, I'm not buying him in Dynasty Leagues, you know, unless it's something really cheap. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm trying to make a run. But, gosh, yeah, it, it's, it's fun seeing, seeing a, an old savvy vet going out there and just just wrecking some uh teams with uh un- unforeseen performances by him by him so yeah he's been a revelation for that team this year without a lot of bright spots they are moving to i think kyle allen this week yes. at quarterback sitting down davis mills so things are about as grim as they can be in houston but we should mention the linebackers, the Christian bros. Christian Kirksey is the more productive of the two right now. 11.73 points per game on 94% of snaps. But Christian Harris, the rookie, appears to be the future there. 8.15 points per game on 92% of snaps. Jake, is it too late to buy low on Christian Harris? Have folks caught up on the future for this guy? Or you think we can still get a little bit of a discount? So I... I, it might be in terms of trying to maximize that value um, and, and you know getting that cheaper return because Harris did come in. Uh, he had a lot of missed tackles early on, which is not uh, a trait we covet for our linebackers. Uh, however, uh, he's cleaned a lot of that up and looked really good. 
but I, I'm, I'm preaching, you know, I'm living what I'm preaching. I literally just completed a trade in my, in my home league last night for Christian Harris on a rookie contract. Uh, I got rid of Isaiah Pacheco, who is on a one year. Uh, I got a fifth rounder thrown in there for me as well. Just kind of a, a little, little cherry on top, I guess, if you will. But no, I'm, I'm buying Christian Harris. Uh, Christian Kirksey, he is, his contract is, you know, 1 million dead cap, 5 million savings next year. Um, you know, this team is clearly rebuilding uh, in, that, in that state. My only concern is, you know, is Lovey Smith going to be there next year and, and what kind of defensive scheme are they going to roll out? That's always a, a big offseason thing you should pay attention to um, because that's when you start to see teams switch from using one linebacker to two linebackers or they focus on box safeties, cover three, cover two type schemes, you know, zone, man, all those different things. Um, so we could see some drastic change-ups potentially there, but with, I think, um, Nick Casario locked in in that front office at this point. Uh, Harris is a guy that's, that he's buying into as a part of this team moving forward. And as such, he's, he's either going to be the guy or I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be a strong, you know, other three down linebacker out on the field with him, uh, without whoever's their LB1, if it's Kirksey or someone else. Yeah, it seems like to me, we're not able to to gamble here in Kentucky unless it's on horse racing. But if we were able to take bets on coaches that are going to get canned at the end of the season, I would bet a fair amount of Monopoly money that Lovey Smith is the second one and done coach in a row for the Houston Texans. Seems he was in a sacrificial lamb type of situation this year with a I mean, they're they're the worst. I can't even say bottom five. They just are the bottom team in the league. So they'll roll Lovey Smith out there, kind of like a Ron Rivera type. He will make them respectable as you can make this team. And then they will thank him for his services, send him on his way, take the number one overall quarterback, probably bring in an offensive mind. So yes, there are always worries and concerns about what will a new coach a new defensive coordinator do but i have a lot of confidence that christian harris will want to be part of any coach's long-term plans so yeah i have a lot of confidence there as well the Dolphins side of things jake we just got to give some love to addy here jalen phillips 14.44 points per game 77 percent of snaps it's just is he at the top of the mountain? Is he at that ceiling? Is he as consistent as we want? No, but it's great to see him in this place with the points per game, with the snaps, such encouraging development out of the Miami second year player this year. Jake, you love to see it. Oh, absolutely. And this is one thing where I, th I think if you look at Jalen Phillips performances earlier in the season, uh, or maybe even midseason, he really wasn't delivering those big big numbers in the box score, but he was delivering consistent pressures. So this is kind of what we talked about um, earlier in the episode. That's one of those things where he was showing that he he is a strong candidate, uh, you know, to deliver IDP performance as well as you know on the field for his team. Uh, and as such, now he's he's able to do that and he's delivering uh, big time or in a big way for them. And uh, again, just more more stuff for my home league. Uh, I, Phillips was on the, on waiver wires, uh, for, yeah, right. Some, so I think someone had, we, we play with a little bit shorter benches, but I, I was like, yeah, I'm taking this guy. I'm going to roll with him for the rest of the season. Yeah. I'm guessing is this, you mentioned contracts earlier Is this home league through RSO as well. Oh, is there any other way to do it? Good sir. No, no, that's exactly <laughs> right. So, uh, well, unfortunately my home, well, not unfortunately, just a matter of fact that my home league is about 
I think 16 years old. So it was before RSO came into existence. I would love to move that over to RSO, but we got him over to sleeper this year, which uh, was an upgrade over ESPN. So if it can't be RSO sleeper is a nice uh, alternative, right? No, I totally agree with you. Yep. And that's, I was actually commenting on someone's thread on Twitter. I mean, that's sleeper is great for true dynasty, you know, full read or redraft, things like that. But if you want, if you want the real experience, at least for me, I, I love contract leagues and, RSO is the way to go. So, RSO is the way to go. Put that on a bumper sticker. Jake, you had a question about a Miami Dolphins IDP that you wanted to ask here. Who did you want to talk about? So, Javon Holland, he was one of those, you know, guys who, you know, we talked about rookies coming in, maybe, you know, tempering some expectations, but he delivered right away in his rookie season and he, and he had a strong start to this year. Uh, and really, you know, I was loving, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Is he going to be one of those strong? Uh, you know, deep outlier free safeties, right? You know, you talk about uh, you know people like Justin Simmons or Minka Fitzpatrick type players who found way to be very, very IDP relevant, you know, taking the bulk of their snaps deep. Um, he's doing that. Is that something that we can continue forward with, you think? Or where do you land on Javon? Well, I have Javon Holland in our main RSO league, the XFFL. And I got to tell you, man, I am shoring up my safety position because as good of an NFL player and as much of a Swiss Army knife as I think Javon Holland can be for the Miami Dolphins, we've seen a huge regression this year in those outlier deep safety types, the Minka Fitzpatrick's of the world. Uh, And so Kevin Byard is another one. Jesse Bates. I mean, a lot of these guys that we historically, at least last season and some, you know, even going back further than that, had seen produced despite playing deep, have come back in a big way this season. So yeah, I think as a strategy, even if Javon Holland can be that guy that produces despite lining up deep for most of his snaps. I would rather just go a different route with my safeties. Now, I will say if you have him as, you know, maybe your safety three or four, that's fine. That's where he is for me right now. I've got a a nice safety room. I've got Winfield. I've got Holland. I just added Cam Curl. So um, I'm considering extending Dane Belton. We'll see. Uh, So I would, yeah, much rather have those in the box type of safeties and maybe keep Holland if we see that season where, okay, he's he's being more consistent. He's being more productive. I have more confidence. But I think if you're going into a season out of like a startup draft or a free agent auction with Javon Holland as your safety one, I think you're in trouble. No, I, th- I think I'm on board with where you're at too. So I, uh, would you rather have uh, a Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips, or you know someone who's going to play those box, but maybe not a full complement of snaps or Javon Holland? I would probably rather have Holland just because, God, they're both going to be frustrating. I don't roster Patriots as a general rule. As a a Colts fan, I would rather uh, go down with the ship than succeed with Patriots on my roster. But, um, yeah, I think, man, that's a a very good question. But I think I would go Javon Holland because I I have him. So it's like I'm, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. But, again, I think it's about setting proper expectations um, Holland with, with both situations, you want to do things to negate your frustration. Uh, I think if those guys on either sides, the Patriots or the dolphins at the top of your depth chart for your safeties, 
that's just a recipe for frustration. So in either case, I'd be trying to add some more in the box safeties to your roster to help mitigate that. Rolling those guys out as like a safety two, you're probably not going to plug those guys into like an IDP flex option, but rolling them out as like a safety two, or maybe they're a nice like bi-week fill in for you. That's fine. But uh, yeah, between those two, I'd probably go Javon Holland. So uh, let's talk about the next game up here, Jake. We have Bengals versus Titans. This is an actually really juicy matchup. Probably one of the better games of the weekend. We got a nice three-pack of games yesterday on Thanksgiving, though, Jake. Probably the best slate that I can remember in a long time. Uh, We've got some okay games coming up for this weekend, and this is definitely one of the highlights. So let's start on the Bengals side. Uh, The leading points per game for the Bengals, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, the H bros are leading the pack here. 15.86 points per game for Hendrickson Hubbard, 13.76. And so anything to call out here from the Bengals side of things, this just, I don't know. It's sort of an uninspiring unit. I guess maybe a question Jake would be Logan Wilson. What's going on with Logan Wilson this year? Because it seems like in a lot of weeks, Jermaine Pratt is actually the linebacker I want to roll out there instead of Wilson. Yeah, I I can't really find anything that indicates, you know, where his drop off is coming from or what's predicated to him to this happening. Uh, I'll say that I was a I was a solid Logan Wilson fan. I had a lot of a lot of rosters with him on it in the past. I actually sold a lot of them in this offseason, though. I just it's one of those things where he didn't pop for me, you know, watching the games. I, I, I'm one of those guys who likes to, you know, hang out with Scott Hansen for seven hours of uninterrupted football on Sunday and, and catch as many of those actual plays as you can. And yeah, he, he just never delivered that next level for me. So I, I don't know if this is just, you know, him regressing back to his mean and, you know, he's going to be a, a mid-level linebacker at best kind of going forward. I don't know if he's dealing with you know one of those one of those things where you're going to find out in the offseason. He was dealing with some injuries, you know, that kind of lingered, but not enough that they had to put him on the injury report, whatever loophole that Bill Belichick can find for those type of things for other coaches to follow. But uh, you know, yeah, I for me, he was a sell coming into the season. You know, if you still have him at this point, you probably have to just roster him based on his usage and use him as that bye week fill in or depth piece in case of injury. But he is, yeah, he's someone that. I, I want to hear more about why he was doing this in the offseason, if there is a reason. And if not, I think this is just the expectation of what you're going to have of him going forward. Yeah, that's a one of those things where sometimes it's not always a clear answer. Sometimes a player over gets over there's, you know, plays above expectation, gets out over their skis one season to the next. And that regresses back to the means and uh, the mean in terms of, you know, what we should expect from this player. What's their kind of. A consistent expected level of play and maybe it's just Logan Wilson was overachieving a little bit but uh, it has been pretty striking that Jermaine Pratt on about the same percentage of snaps over the last five games 50 uh, sorry 71 percent of snaps for Pratt 72 percent for Logan Wilson uh, you have to keep in mind that they blew out the Falcons in week seven and Panthers in week nine, both games, the starters barely played the fourth quarter. So the snap counts are a little wonky here, but on the same percentage of snaps, Jermaine Pratt is outproducing Logan Wilson, to the tune of two points per game, 10.2 to 8.16. But let's flip over to the Titans here, Jake. 
talk about one of my favorite players, someone who has been getting a lot of love recently from NFL analysts and IDP managers alike, David Long, 15.58 points per game on 94% of snaps, only three games in single digits. There are very few linebackers that I feel as good rolling out or enjoy watching as much as David Long, Jake. I totally agree with you. Uh, he was actually a, a trade target of mine in one of my articles earlier this season. You know, that might have been even a little late to the party. You know, that was maybe week seven or week eight. He's been just doing this since week one. He's had, you know, a few lower scoring weeks, like you said, but I mean, everything he's been out there just consistently delivering on the NFL field for our IDP production. And and he does it in such a way that, like you said, it's just super fun to watch. The guy, he, he's, a, he's a little bit smaller for a linebacker, but he gets out there and he finds a way to, you know, still win, get off of blocks and, and just continues to, to deliver plays week in and week out. And, and the one thing I, I love when I look at this, or I, I shouldn't say I love, but I, I really begin to ponder is, and I don't know if you ever buy these narratives, this is a contract year for David Long. Is this something where, you know, is he going to come in next year and once he gets a, a nice new contract and he's going to, you know, all right, now I'm just going to, I don't want to say now phone gonna, it in. Now I'm going to coast. I'm going to pull the Robert Quinn <laughs> playbook and just phone it in for the rest of the season. Right. So that that's one of those things where I, I don't know that that narrative is, you know, super strong for a lot of people, but. I mean, that's what he's doing. He's 26. He's got a lot of good years left in him. He should be able to earn a really nice contract after the season. Um, and, and as such, enjoy the ride. He's going he's gonna to be one of those candidates who hopefully takes a lot of people into the playoffs and maybe deeper in their IDP leagues. Yeah, I love it. I'm rooting for David Long, even as a Colts fan. This guy plays for the Titans. We don't like the Titans, but I love David Long, and I've loved seeing him get this glow up this season. He has delivered in every way that we could possibly expect another player delivering for your IDP lineups. And for the Tennessee Titans, Jeffrey Simmons, 15.45 points per game on 63% of snaps. Jake, we're going to be doing a top eight defensive tackle video here very shortly over on our YouTube channel. Check it out. If you haven't subscribed yet, youtube.com slash at the IDP show. Where would Jeffrey Simmons rank amongst your top defensive tackles jake uh, i'm assuming we're talking dynasty and yes as such it's it's him it's quinnon williams yeah. jonathan allen even a bit in there and i wouldn't be mad at any of those answers that you gave me and and i i would i would say that you i i don't think that i can tell you you're right i don't think you could tell me i'm wrong but, you know, for me, I just I, lo I love the way Jeffrey Simmons just takes over a game, though. That's that's the one thing that I think separates him. You know, maybe if we're going to do a one A, one B type thing here, that that that's the thing I love. He's the guy who can just absolutely wreck. And all of a sudden you're like, did, did he really just get three and a half sacks, a forced fumble? And then he went ahead and, and made that tackle for loss, you know, to, to seal out the game when the other teams, you know, fourth and goal or whatever. I mean, that, that's just the kind of level of play he brings to the NFL field. Um, and so, you know, we, this is all a game for all of us, right, that we're playing here. So I, I'm looking for entertainment, enjoyment, and, and being able to watch Jeffrey Simmons and do that is a large part of it for me. So I'd probably sneak him ahead of maybe some of those others. But again, if you came in strong telling me Quinn and Williams, I, I know you're going to find a bunch of stuff that, that says you're right because he's, he's amazing too. But, but Simmons is probably the tippy top of the mountain for me. 
Yeah, he's number one for me right now. Quentin Williams, we'll talk about his team next here, but 15.38 points per game. Jeffrey Simmons, 15.45 on similar snaps. Uh, 69% for Williams, 63% for Simmons over the last five weeks. So you're splitting hairs, and I, I would be totally fine if you said Quentin is one, Simmons is two. I'm going Simmons at one, Quentin at two, and then you can sort through a lot of these vets your Chris Jones, Jonathan Allens, DeForest Buckner, Aaron Donald. Where did, this is the reason we said, hey, defensive tackle, not everyone plays in these leagues, but man, what a fun video this will be to make to kind of sort through all of these guys because there are so many good options out there. A lot of good options starting to age out, kind of reach that sort of um, that 30-year-old cliff that we typically see. But of course... The factor we always talk about with these defensive linemen, grown-ass man strength. So these guys are just starting to tap into that. The Buckners, the Chris Joneses, the Jonathan Allens of the world. So that'll be a fun video. Keep an eye out for that. We're going to try to get that out here before the end of the year. But let's move down now. We should mention on the Titans side, Bud Dupree, 10.03 points per game. Rashad Weaver, 8.29. Danico Autry, 12.3. I would feel confident rolling Danico Autry out there. Rashad Weaver, if you're in a pinch, there are some leagues like Adam in our main league has had Chandler Jones as his DN2. So he's in DN hell right now. Rashad Weaver... We mentioned he's on the radar. He's off the radar. He's a Loch Ness monster. Sometimes you see him. Sometimes you don't. I'm not rolling him out there with a lot of confidence, but in a pinch, I think you could start Rashad Weaver if you need a spot start. Danico Autry is a fine option as well. Let's talk about the next game here, Jake. Bears versus Jets. On the Bears side, surprisingly a lot of production here. And I want to contrast two players that both start with Jay. Uh, we had a fun challenge from John Macri putting together a squad of players that could beat his J name team. I put together the S name team with Superman and Spider-Man and Sandman and Shaq Thompson and Shaq Leonard and Shaquille O'Neal and the Sochak and Slenderman. So sorry, John, you're absolutely getting dusted in that scenario. No two ways about it. But the J squad here for the Bears, Jake, Jack Sanborn, Special Agent Sanborn, 15.39 points per game on 60% of snaps. And Jaquan Brisker on 98% of snaps, 14.18. We have a contrast here. Undrafted Jack Sanborn versus the second round pick, and yet both have been highly productive. What is your long-term outlook for these players producing from two very different contexts? So for me, Brisker is the if you know if you're looking at who am I going to try to add to a roster maybe somewhere. I know I know defensive backs are so volatile and, and we really want to try to stay away from that at most times. But for me, it, it's Brisker. You know, uh, as much as we don't want to, you know, see these these types of things happen in situations maybe where guys don't deserve it. I'm not saying Brisker doesn't, but it's draft capital, right? You know, people like Jamarcus Russell stayed in this league way too long because he was the number one overall pick and he needed to keep getting those shots. Um, so, you know, having a second round tag on your name versus, you know, undrafted free agent will always, unfortunately, at most times, uh, you know, give you that bump to, to say you're going to be given a, just a longer leash. Uh, you know, Brisker doesn't need a longer leash because he's out there delivering. He's delivering big plays. He's, you know, delivering consistent floors. Um, and, he, and he's not making, you know, massive mistakes that you'd expect to see from rookies. Uh, actually, even, you know, in that secondary, there's Kyler Gordon, uh, a target of mine. For, for a lot of my rosters and 
as a rookie, he's looked okay, but he's made some mistakes, you know, and, he, and he's looked like a rookie out there. Brisker really hasn't. And so for me, um, hands down, Brisker's the guy I want, I want out of those two. Sanborn's super fun, though. Um, you know, he's got, you know, a, a super team-friendly contract. Again, I think he's going to have an opportunity next year. So if you got him on any of your rosters, you need to hold on to him. Don't be trying to sell him dirt cheap for anything. Uh, you're going to want to roll him out and see what they do with him next year. Yeah, we should mention as well, Eddie Jackson, number three on this list, 11.02 points per game, 99% of snaps. An earlier video we did, an IDP short, Jake, you mentioned Eddie Jackson as a buy earlier this season. You still feel that way now as we head into week 12? He's, he's kept his value in terms of, you know, he's someone you can truly leave in your lineup every week. He has been able to deliver a consistent tackle floor. Now, a large part of that was is the absence of uh, significant playmaking at, at the second level of their defense. But Sanborn stepping in now has found a way to, to fill some of that void for them uh, with Roquan stepping out and Sanborn really solidifying his role. Now, if you if you took that opportunity and bought him, you're probably going to want to hold him the rest of the year yet still, uh, unless you can really find something out. Uh, something else out there that's going to give you a truly stronger play in your secondary. But uh, Eddie Jackson is going to be someone you can keep rolling week in, week out. He's going to give you four or five, six solo tackles. And, you know, you're, you're kind of crossing your fingers for the big play at this point. Yeah, we should mention as well Nicholas Morrow, Jack Sanborn's linebacker mate, 99% of snaps, 10.1 points per game. Kyler Gordon has been a decent option in CB-required leagues. And then I love Arn as he was putting this doc together. Other notables for the Bears? None. And that feels about right. That feels about where we are with the Bears. So let's talk about the Jets, who have a much more exciting defense, at least in terms of real NFL production here, Jake. Quinnen Williams, we mentioned, top option in the D-tackle dynasty rankings. He is top of the mountain for the Jets over the last five weeks, 15.38 points per game on 69% of snaps. C.J. Mosley doing the dang thing. 14.94 points per game on 97% of snaps. Let's talk about Sauce Gardner, 14.4 points per game on 100% of snaps. Jake, is Sauce Gardner a must-start in CB-required leagues? As easy as it was to answer TJ Watt earlier this uh, episode, uh, unfortunately, that, that's the same case here. Or maybe not unfortunately, fortunately. So, you know, uh, I want to get lost in the sauce like Ian Nelson said. You know, that's uh, That's, that's right, baby. This- this guy has just come in and, and taken the league by storm as a rookie corner. You you don't, you know, I know corners have to have that, that swag, that mentality, right? Like I'm going to win every rep. You, you beat me one rep. Doesn't matter. I'm going to beat you on the next 10. And and this guy is delivering on that as a rookie on a defense that doesn't necessarily have great strength in the, in the, in the back end of that secondary. You know, you got, you got Jordan Whitehead, who's a solid veteran, um, you know, and, and other players I know, um, Michael Carter, uh, you know, and so they've got guys who are, are, are good starters out there, but he has just taken the lead in that secondary. And, and as such, you need to be starting him every week. He's making plays. He's not giving up the big plays either. So, I mean, he's delivering on the NFL field. Yeah, he's, he's a must start in cornerback required leagues. I'd, I'd say he sneaks into that DB3 conversation, you know, and, and for and, uh, uh, platforms like Sleeper where, you know, you're, you're playing just DBs, that combined safety cornerback. So, um, you know, maybe even higher, but maybe high end or low end DB too. But yeah, gosh, does he look? He's fun out there, man. I love watching him play. 
Yeah, he's one of the most fun players in the league, and I totally agree. Even in a sleeper-type league that just lumps all the DBs together, he's in consideration for me as well. Adam pointed this out. He has no trouble putting in cornerbacks in those DB leagues, and I agree, especially someone like Sauce. If he is a top cornerback option for CB-required leagues, which he is, he should necessarily be a top option for DB leagues because he has been that good and we can have a certain level of confidence. I mean, 100% of snaps, 14.4 points per game on average. That is really solid. You're not getting that out of a lot of safeties, let alone a lot of cornerbacks. So I think you're firing him up with confidence. Quincy Williams coming back from the injury, 11.54 points per game, 66% of snaps. Adam brought this up on the last episode, 11.44 points per game for Jordan Whitehead on 100% of snaps, who's just been a really solid safety two option for you there. And then a pair of edge rushers scoring about the same for the Jets. John Franklin Myers, not 9.54. Carl Lawson, 9.23. Not as relevant for IDP because they have such a good group of edge rushers there for the Jets. But just something to keep an eye on, especially in Dynasty Leagues. Let's move to the next game, Jake Buccaneers versus Browns. And let's start over on the Buccaneers side of things, of course, being led by Devin White. 15.48 points per game on 100% of snaps. Vita Vea, defensive tackle, 14.94 is next on 64% of snaps. So very similar to what Quentin Williams and Jeffrey Simmons are averaging over the last five weeks. Is Vita Vea in consideration for you, Jake, in D-tackle required leagues? If you if you got to go too deep on your D-tackles, I think for sure. Um, some of that's been propped up with some stronger play lately with some higher than normal uh, sack conversion uh, expectation for him. But with that said, um, he's still out there um, at the levels you'd like to see for a defensive tackle. He's, he's making plays now. I think DT2 for sure um, going forward. You know, is he he's definitely, I think he's not to that level of a Quinn and Williams. I think these numbers are kind of an outlier for him um, at this point in the season. But, but you love to see the production regardless. Yeah, he's a great NFL player and has been producing for IDP, but yeah, a little more up and down. I'm not rolling him out with supreme confidence, but if you're in a D-tackle required leagues and you got, you know, uh, even if every team had one of the top 12 guys, um, I think Vita Vea should be in that mix for kind of the back end. Um, and then especially if, you know, multiple teams have multiple top 12 guys, you're probably in a situation where maybe you have to roll a Vita Vea out there. So I think he's in consideration, but hopefully maybe you have more consistent options at the D-tackle position. Joe Tryon, Shoyinka, another player I wanted to call out here, Jake, averaging 9.08 points per game, 76% of snaps. Of course, they lost Shaq Barrett for the season. Is Tryon Shoyinka a good buy low in Dynasty right now? I think so. And I, and I say that with, you know, a little bit of trepidation. Uh, and that's mainly because... Uh, I, I don't know what this team is going to look like next year. And, and a large part of that is even as much as it shouldn't impact it, you know, what, what's the other side of the ball going to look like with if Brady's gone and, and what the team does and what they do with the coaching staff. So I just, I just have a little bit of hesitation there because I don't know that he's as plug and play maybe as some of the other, uh, you know, edge rush options on that lineup or, or um, on other teams. So I think if you, you know, if you like to, if you like to take the gambles and you, and you can get a good value for it, I think Absolutely. I just would, you know, have have your expectations set appropriately going forward with them. You get it for a 2023 fourth round pick doing it. Yeah, I would do that. Now, what about a third? 
That feels a little rich, right? A third yeah. feels a, a tad rich. I think late, late third, maybe uh, a fourth round pick. Yeah, I think I would throw a fourth out there for Tryon Choyinka. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to be supremely confident that that's like a, a three twelve in a twelve team league if I'm gonna if I'm gonna consider a third. But yeah, you know, dancing somewhere in the fourth, I, I feel very comfortable with that. What, what what else you might find there? So. Exactly. Yeah. Compared to what you could probably get in the draft, then you got to wait on these guys to develop getting a third year try on Shoyinka would be really nice because this is when we start to see these guys tend to take a leap is going into year three, year four. It takes a little bit of time for these guys to mature. So I like that as a nice buy low in Dynasty. Send out some offers. See if you can get them for a fourth. And I think you'll be rewarded. Maybe not as much this year, but maybe year three, year four in your Dynasty leagues. Let's talk about the Browns, Jake. What? What an interesting team this is, headlined by probably the most confusing linebacker room in the entire league, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, 19.75 points per game. Now, remember, guys, this is points per game. These are only the games in which they have played. So if guys were out for injury, this is not to say that Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa has scored 19.75 points per game across five games. He's only played 45% of snaps, so he's been worked back in the last couple games. But the points per game leader, uh, leader for the Browns so far, and then Sione Takitaki on 82% of snaps over the last five weeks, 15 and a half points per game. Jake, we ask the question every week, what the hell is going on with Cleveland's linebackers? What's your take on this group? It's, it's such an ambiguous linebacker room, and there's so little, at least in, in my experience, analytically, numbers-wise, that really helps us indicate or predict who is going to take the lead in that? Um, I know that was a, a heavy, heavy discussion this offseason in the offensive side was, you know, the ambiguous running back rooms and, and you know, what guys you want to target based on ADP and all these other things. Um, linebacking just doesn't have that kind of prediction or that 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 ability to, to determine who is that guy going forward. So, you know, if this is me, I'm I'm staying away from it. If, if anyone's willing to pay anything really for these guys because they think they know that answer. Roll the, let them roll the dice because I, I most certainly am not. I'd rather go out there and, and try to chase something a little bit more, you know, a little more something I feel a little more confident in. And you know, you look just at yesterday's game; everyone was talking Tyler Dodson, right? You know, when when uh, when Tremaine Edmonds is out, Dodson's the guy, and everyone's like, "Cool!" And, and and we saw that we had evidence to support that. And you know what they were like, AJ Klein, that that's the guy who should have wearing the green dot this week. And a lot of people got. Got, got burned. Yeah. Yeah, because they 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 swerved. And this happens sometimes. There's a lot of matchup dependent stuff that we can't really be privy to. Maybe they saw the linebacker matchup against uh this Detroit Lions team and said, you know what? AJ Klein is actually the guy we need out there because of XYZ factor in this particular game against the Lions. So yeah, the rug can get pulled out from under you quickly. And I agree. I'm just staying away entirely. Little spoiler alert for our next week's episode with Sigmund Bloom. We're going to be talking Dynasty Risers and Fallers. JOK is going to come up on the Fallers side. So tune in to see what we think of JOK and his long-term outlook. But for this season, not a lot of confidence there. Next up here, Jake, we've got the Ravens versus the Jags. On the Ravens side, uh, we should talk about uh, the two Old guys tapping into that grown-ass man's strength to produce some outrageous numbers on limited snaps. We've got Justin Houston, 23.19 points per game 
on 42% of snaps at number one. And then at number four for the Ravens, Calais Campbell, 15.18 on 46% of snaps. Are you going to play with fire and start Justin Houston and Calais Campbell, Jake? In, in big play leagues, I would give Justin Houston some consideration. Uh, he's someone that, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of these hyper-efficient edge rushers, but, you know, Von Miller, uh, not so much Khalil Mack now at this part of the season, but he started with it. Um, you know, Justin Houston, they're, they're showing us that, hey, you can, you can roll me out there for half the snaps or less. And just based on what I know and when you put me in situations where I'm going to have enough of the information, it's, 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 this is a clear pass rushing situation um, and, and what they've learned in their time in the league, they're going to be able to produce from it, right? So if you're if you're out there, you know, streaming defensive end, and you're trying to find a guy chasing that sack because you think you can do it, some of these guys are the guys that can do that for you week in week out. Jerry Hughes, another one, right, that we talked about earlier. They're they're finding a way to get it done in this league right now. And I, you know what, I'm I'm okay if you want to take that shot. Campbell feels a little riskier to me. Uh, just the interior pressure is not nearly as easy to uh, to predict in terms of you know kind of chasing those pass rush situations but if you if you had to i, I guess you have to but I, houston I'd, I'd, I'd take a gamble on plus he always breaks all the madden franchise sack records for for single season or whatever whenever i seem to do a, a franchise in there so it's got to be something they know that we don't i know the madden predictive analytics that's the next frontier of idp analysis but yeah i'm with you i would be considering probably yeah calais campbell feels a little dicey but Justin Houston, I'm fine plugging in as a spot start for a DN2, say in an RSO league. Um, if he's classified as a linebacker, that sucks because, and I don't know, it, what is Justin Houston classified as in RSO? Do we know if he's linebacker or D-end? Uh, I, 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 I took advantage of all the opportunity to manually override all the override. All yeah. My, so yes. we'll be doing the same. So hopefully you've got him listed as a D-end. If we he do. is a D-end, uh, I think you can plug him in as yeah dl2 dn2 or the ideal situation for me these are the types of guys i'd love to sprinkle in as my flex play we have an id one idp flex spot in a big play league this is where i plug in guys like khalil mack like von miller who are classified incorrectly as linebackers right now that's something we're rectifying next season but uh justin houston would be a guy i'd love to plug into that flex spot as well so Let's talk the other side of this matchup, Jacksonville Jaguars. And this has been a disappointing squad for IDP, Jake. We look at the double-digit scores. It's Andre Sisco, which I know you want to talk about here in just a second. Dwayne Smoot, 12.49 points per game on 41% of snaps. But it's kind of a bummer that of the big four that we talk about for IDP, Foyce DeLuican, Devin Lloyd, Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen. Foyce DeLuican is the only one averaging double digits at 11.94 points per game on 100% of snaps. What a disappointing squad for IDP that uh, he's the only one we can say that about. The next closest is Devin Lloyd down at 7.83 points per game over the last five. Just a bummer, Jake. It absolutely is. Uh, I mean, Foyce doing Foyce eight things, right? He's out there. He's just going to give you that tackle floor every week. So you can, you can leave him in there and he's never going to really hurt you. Uh, but yeah, Devin Lloyd looks so promising this, this beginning of this year. And I actually made a lot of attempts to try and uh, acquire him uh, for my rosters, but unfortunately no one was willing to budge because he looked good. He was making plays in the passing game. 
And maybe maybe some of those best trades are the ones that, you know, the other side doesn't accept. And we'll, we'll have to see because, you know, Chad Mumo was a favorite target of mine coming into this offseason. I know you guys have talked about him. And, you know, the coaching staff just kind of those ominous comments of, you know, we, well, we just need to get Mumo out there because, you know, he was the one we needed to see at that time. And I, I, I can't imagine they're going to just move on from Devin Lloyd, obviously, but maybe this is going to start to be a rotational thing and that's not going to be good for anyone in terms of IDP production. And the only one that stood out to me is Cisco, who is, uh, again, one of those rookie safeties, you know, highly drafted last year. <laughs> uh, Urban Meyer didn't even know Cisco was on his roster at the end of the last year when asked about it. I remember that was one of my favorite comments because I've rostered Cisco in a lot of places. And it's like, oh, is he going to get a chance? You're, you're looking into things every week. And then there's like, oh, what's this news bite or news blurb? And it's like, Urban Meyer asked about Andre Cisco and what he thought his chances were. And he goes, who's that? You know, I'm just like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so glad <laughs> Urban's gone. Peterson's given him a chance. And obviously Cisco is able to produce even playing a bit more of that deep safety role and being more big play dependent. But, hey. He's, he's found a way to make himself IDP relevant. So, Yeah, I think there was a lot of stuff that Urban Meyer was not aware of. Near the end of his Jacksonville tenure, the best dive bars, uh, the one with the most college girls, probably was top of mind for him. But uh, yeah, the rookie safeties on his roster, not as much. So good riddance to Suburban Meyer. Uh, yeah, you, you, you looked it up here. It looks like Justin Houston classified as a linebacker in RSO. Yep, yeah, we got him overridden to a D end in our main league, uh, but yeah, he starts as an LB, and yeah, I, I, I don't think I could roll him out there as an LB, maybe a, maybe a four if you're really in a pinch, but yeah, yeah he's not, he's not cracking my linebacker rotation. Uh, if you could, if you have, like I said, that IDP flex spot, and you don't have better options there, and and again, your approach and how you you swing for IDP flex players, I'm one that I like to chase the big play upside. I'm going to plug in the guy that can get two, three sacks and win me a week because I wasn't, you know, expecting a lot out of that flex spot. Some guys like Johnny, the Greek will tell you, he loves to plug in the tackle heavy linebackers. So, you know, you've got 11 to 13, 14 points coming your way. So it just depends on how do you like to play this thing? But if you take the approach like I do, where you swing for upside, Justin Houston could be a nice plug and play guy there. Um, let's move to the next game. And this one is, uh, I started watching, have you done the in season hard knocks yet, Jake? I have not. We, we got the HBO max and I just, for whatever reason, just haven't sat down to, to binge that. So I got to get on that. Yeah. So there is uh, a John Mayer song, slow dancing in a burning room. And it feels like from what I've heard online, I watched the first episode and kind of got hints of that. But what I've heard so far from folks is this is a situation that is slowly deteriorating around Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime. And so you wonder what's going to happen in Arizona. I famously said in the offseason, famously in my own mind, at least this team is going five and 12 and firing Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury. Maybe Hard Knocks will give us a little more insight into why this team is struggling so much. But an interesting matchup here with the Chargers. There's one player on the Chargers side of things because it's actually pretty chalky at the top here. Derwin James is the top option, 15.69. Uh, number three, Khalil Mack, 10.04. Kenneth Murray, 9.65. Sebastian Joseph Day at 8.5. But number two, Jake, Drew Tranquil on 99% of snaps is averaging 14.11 points per game over the last five. What is your 
confidence level in Drew Tranquil. He's a guy that we've struggled with around this table on our recap episodes to get a grasp on how do we feel about this guy long term? I think you keep rolling him out every week for this season, but beyond, what's your take? Yeah, he's a strong LB2 with, with a little bit of upside uh, rest of the season. The, the real question I struggle with in this Chargers uh, roster is, you know, Staley is a defensive-minded guy, yet he has not been able to deliver a consistent defensive performance out there with, with what, you know, now two years that he's put together. Uh, Tranquil, you know, being something um, kind of not his guy per se. So I I fear that that's going to kind of be a part of the scapegoat is, you know, we I need to get my guy in there, right? You know, they had the thing with Kenneth Murray where, you know, he wasn't right and kind of that ambiguous coach speech last year where and then Murray kind of played less and now this year he's coming back and getting a, a little bit more of an opportunity. Uh, I, I think it's going to be one of those things where they go out there and, and he forces that uh, front office to pick up someone else to, to put in the middle of that defense. Um and as such, you know, Tranquil is going to be that journeyman who's going to end up on some roster next year that's in need of that linebacker play due to injuries or just roster construction. And he's going to be able to deliver for you. Um, I just don't know that you know I'll have the hundred percent of the snaps like he does right now in, in uh, with the Chargers confidence. But he's he's a sneaky stash somewhere. You know, maybe maybe you wait till the off season and you know they they don't bring him back for whatever reason. And then that's when you go pick him up and stash him if you got the ability to, because he'll end up delivering for us uh, at some point next year, whether that's in LA or somewhere else. I don't know. Yeah. It's, there's a couple factors here that I think are worth discussing. I don't think it's a lock that if the chargers miss the playoffs, that Brandon Staley is back for another year. This defense is underwhelmed. I know there's been injuries, but this is a bottom tier unit and you would at least expect a defensive mastermind. This is what he was hired for was to elevate the floor of this defense and they have not done that. And so I think if they miss the playoffs, Justin Herbert is being wasted. I think anyone with eyeballs can see that. So I think there's a strong chance that Brandon Staley is gone. If the chargers miss the playoffs, drew tranquil is set to be a UFA. This coming off season, he will be 28 years old next year. So he's a guy that I'm probably lower on in dynasty for those reasons. He's going to be switching teams more than likely. If he's back with the chargers, is he back under a new regime or is he back with the regime that, like you said, maybe isn't crazy about him? He's a little older. So yeah, I'm not as crazy about him. Uh, he's probably a great sell right now. If you've got him and your trade deadline hasn't happened yet, or if you want to try to trade him in the offseason, cash out maybe after you maximize the value for 2022, cash out in the offseason, float the float the narrative of um, this guy is going to sign a big deal. He's going to be on a new team. Uh, he's going to be the featured guy. This is the next voice to Luican. Like if you can float like that narrative, then I think go for it. But I'm not as high on tranquil for dynasty leagues uh, for those reasons. So uh, let's keep it moving here, Jake, and talk about the Arizona Cardinals side of things. Isaiah Simmons is leading this group 17.38 points per game on 81% of snaps. Buda Baker is second, 15.06. Good to see Buda balling out. He's been a star of hard knocks as well. And then Zayvon Collins, 13.85 points per game on 99% of snaps. Around this table, Jake, we are big fans of Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. Zayvon Collins, it seems like they are having a moment. What is your take on the two Arizona Cardinals linebackers? 
So I, I was a big Zaven fan coming out of Tulsa. I loved him a lot. I thought he had that Devin White type of profile, right, where he's someone who's big body, athletic, can play side to side, but can get on the edge of the line and he can really get after the quarterback in, in those, you know, pass rushing situations. You know, as such, I, again, solid floor, big play upside. This, this is a great guy. Drafted 16, brought into a defense, you know, they were talking, Steve Kime was talking, he's the guy, he's the green dot rookie year. And yeah, that coaching staff needs to go in Arizona. I mean, just for, you know, you talked about Kingsbury and Kime, you know, Vance Joseph needs to just go right along with them. This, I, I don't know what they're doing with them. You know, they, they give them the rookie treatment. You don't get to play at all. And then even though they look good and I, I can't even begin to fathom what they're thinking now. Yes. Uh, Simmons and uh, Zavin are both producing well here, but they both do have defensive touchdowns in the last five weeks as well, kind of propping up some of that. I think their usage looks good overall. In fact, looks great, especially for Simmons. He's back in that 100% or near 100% category. Um, but there, you look at what they did last week, and, and hopefully this was more game script dependent, or not game script, but uh, game plan dependent. I mean, they're lining these guys up on the defensive line and they're really not getting a ton of pass rush snaps and, and they're cutting the field in half for these athletic guys um, and, and limiting what they can do in terms of the, our, our IDP production for our teams. Uh, as such, I, I'm a little nervous about them moving forward. And that's, again, that's as a huge Zavin fan um, and, and his numbers too. You look, he's had nearly 20 or 20 or, 20 or more uh, D line snap alignments in like five of the last six weeks. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous right now. Yeah, it's um, it's a double edged sword because there are guys like uh, Micah Parsons that can, uh, you know, make the most of these pass rush opportunities. And it's not as big of a concern. But for the most part, for your linebackers, you kind of want them to play that typical linebacker role, because what we're looking at is tackle opportunities. So it's it's a double-edged sword in that you don't want too many D-line snaps because that takes away the tackle opportunities, but you don't mind, Jake, I think it being sprinkled in a little bit because then that raises their sack upside, but you don't want to go too far and kind of upset the equilibrium here. You're, you're spot on with that, Josh, but the, the, the big kicker for me is is Micah Parsons started doing that, right, getting the getting that sprinkled in, and he, he delivered, and then he delivered obviously in a big way, but, I mean, I think Zavin has three sacks on the year, and two of them came against Seattle in one game. So I, I just he, – he's not hitting that upside mark. So, you know, taking him away from where he can be more consistent is is definitely concerning for IDP moving forward. I'm holding at this point. I'm not selling. Um, you know, maybe if, he, maybe if he has one more big game and you're, you don't want to ride that ride, sell him off that uh, if your trade deadlines go far enough. But, yeah, I think at this point you're holding – and just hoping that uh, the coaching staff gets changed changed up or they figure something out because they're not using these guys uh, well enough, in my opinion. I agree. That's something I'm banking on as well is hopefully we will have a coaching upgrade coming in to give these guys the best opportunity to succeed. Still two very young players. I think there are brighter days ahead for both Simmons and Collins. So, yeah, I'm holding as well because this is what you drafted them for. And I'm not the type of person, the type of manager who wants to cash out right as I'm starting to see the fruits of this faith that I had in these two players. So I am holding as well. All right, Jake, next game on the agenda, Raiders versus Seahawks. The Raiders might be circling the train. 
but they got a nice win last week over the Denver Broncos in overtime. Addy brought this to my attention. Did you see the Devontae Adams clip talking about Pat Sertang saying he's too young, he's not ready? Did you see this clip? I did not. So check it out on Twitter or YouTube after we get finished here. But a great clip of Devontae Adams looking directly into the camera and celebrating with coaches and teammates after that game-winning touchdown saying, he's too young, he's not ready. You love that level of swag from Devontae Adams. I wish maybe this team incorporated that a little bit more and we've seen better performances. But... The Seattle Seahawks have been surprisingly competitive with Geno Smith behind center. So let's talk about the IDP options for both Denzel Perryman back in the mix here. Jake, 13.63 points per game on 54% of snaps. Jayon Brown, 8.75 on 39% of snaps. Similar to the Cleveland Browns, how are you sorting out these linebackers for the Raiders? For me, there's a little bit more understanding of the hierarchy of this linebacker room. So obviously it's, you know, divine Diablo went healthy and who knows if we'll see him yet again this season. Uh, but to me, it, it, it's, it's Denzel Perryman is, is the guy when healthy, he's proven it. Um, you know, Jayon Brown kind of coming into the second year here was, it was a great addition, great depth piece, um, has some talent to be out there consistently. Uh, I just, I, to me, it's, it's Denzel Perryman hands down when, when they're both healthy. Um, obviously, you got to monitor that part of it to make sure uh, to have a better idea of the full picture. But yeah, DD, DP, JB, right down the list for me. There you go. We love to use those initials. And speaking of fun names, we know Max Crosby has one of our favorite names. This is a great name team just all the way around. Uh, but he has been averaging 19.22 points per game on 96 percent of snaps, an absolutely staggering amount for a defensive lineman. But Max Double X Crosby has been everything you could want from a defensive lineman, from an IDP, from an NFL player, all of the above. He is checking all the boxes, Jake. hundred percent. I mean, you nailed it. I don't know what more you can say. Uh, the only question is, 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 is he moved himself up into the consideration of, you know, edge 101. And I know you guys have talked about this uh, several times at that point, but I mean, that that's where he's at. Um, and this was one of those things last year, um, not to harp on this too much, but he didn't deliver strong or high-level IDP production, but you looked him and Rashawn Gary. These were guys who were putting up insane pressure numbers last year. You know they should have been getting more sacks. You know, but it was one of those things where they got. You know, again, I, I bring it back to wide receivers. They got 150 targets. They they had 100 catches, but they had three touchdowns. Right. So now they're now they're wide receiver 26, and people are just like, yeah, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't that good. He wasn't that no, you got you gotta look a little bit deeper than the surface level. And that's what you saw with Max Crosby. That's what you saw with Rashawn Gary last year. So hopefully when you see those kind of things, you buy into them ahead of time. And if you did, if you got both of them, I mean you're riding high, especially the first half of the season. Obviously, sorry, Kyle. Um, Gary's out now, but you know, he was delivering heavily week in and week out um up to that. So, you know, that's that's just what you got to be looking for. And then on top of that, I just, you know, shout out to the Raiders front office. If they really want to, you know, follow this name trend that you're calling out, they should go out there and get smoke Monday. You know, if, if he's available somewhere, because that's just one of those hot names coming in this, this last rookie draft class that really round out uh, a solid name team. So you get max triple X Crosby, you get double D divine Diablo, you get smoke Monday. It's a wrap. The Raiders are going 17 and 0 next season. You heard it here first, but you got to make it happen with that Smoke Monday acquisition. Let's talk about the Seahawks. Another shout out to Addy, 
who I'm sure is recovering like we are from Thanksgiving feasts, but he was talking up Uchina Nuwasu this offseason. He is the leader in the clubhouse for the Seattle Seahawks at 18.18 points per game and 74% of snaps. We love Uchina for this season, Jake. I think we are all firing him up with supreme confidence, but what is your take and temperature on Nuwasu long-term? So, you know, the Seahawks, when they, they paid him, like, you know, this is this is a guy we want to roll out there at our edge spot and keep him out there for three downs. He, he's he got a contract that that uh, dictates that. And he's went ahead and said, hey, you that's what you want from me? And he's delivered this season. Uh, he was someone who was more of a rotational piece last year for the Chargers. Uh, I really enjoyed watching him play, and I really thought, you know, he was a guy who could do more with more opportunity. Apparently Seattle saw the same thing, right? So I can maybe go work in the Seattle front office at this point is kind of the correlation I'm drawing here. Waiting for uh, that call. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, well, they hired Jeff Saturday off the street, right? So I mean <laughs> sorry, I had to take that shot. Come on uh, now. But but no, so I, I think Nuwusu uh Nuwusu is someone that you're gonna fire up again next year. Same thing. Um unless, unless you see some sort of major setback. He's he's a he's a top, you know. 15, 20 type DN moving forward, in my opinion, at least for this season and next. Yeah, I agree. Another player, we some some names here that we should not be surprised to see leading this team in points per game. Jordan Brooks, 16.19. Ryan Neal has been great as well, 15.01. Michael Jackson, uh, still one of my favorite moments when Addy realized that they had a Michael Jackson on the Seattle Seahawks as well as a Kobe Bryant. Michael Jackson, 12.88 points per game is number four. Number five, Jake, is the one I want to draw your attention to, Cody Barton. Barton season was canceled earlier this year, but now at 11.96 points per game and averaging 79% of snaps over the last five, including 80% of snaps versus the Bucks in Germany, any confidence at all in Barton, or is it best just to stay away? For me, at this point in the season, injuries starting to rack up. Barton's probably going to be someone that's viable um, in some leagues, You know, depending on, again, the depth of how many linebackers and, and flex you're looking to play in there. But he's not someone I'm. He's not someone I'm trying to go after. You know, if I, if you bought into that, and I was one of them uh, at the beginning of the season, you know, and you were pleasantly surprised with uh, how he started, um, and you weren't able to move him before he dipped off or during that that performance, he's just going to kind of ride your bench, and he's going to be someone that's you're going to plug into that LB three four range probably, um, and and you're just going to have to ride the wave with them. I, I don't I don't know what they're doing fully in terms of that linebacker room. There's that's that's a place they've consistently ran two linebackers. Um, you know, Jamal Adams would be someone you'd think that hey, he could, you know, he could supplant someone as a linebacker based on his style of play and what he's been able to do in his career, but he's out. You know, and Ryan Neal's come in and, and delivered admirably, but he's not playing at that level of a of a LB2 out there uh, for that defense either. So, not certain what they're seeing, what they're trying to do uh, rotationally. But, yeah, he's someone that you're probably, at this point in the season, you're going to have to be comfortable with as your LB3-4 if, you, if that's how your roster breaks down at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, LB3-4 if I'm in a pinch. But the thing that I heard that kind of changed my mind on Barton was you take this guy off the field and the Seattle Seahawks defense gets better. Like they were, I think John Macri brought this up on one of our previous episodes that the Seattle Seahawks defense was bottom of the league to start the season. They start taking Barton off the field, and now they're suddenly one of the best defenses in the league. So I don't have a lot of confidence that this team wants to put Cody Barton out there. So 
but again, the fantasy season, especially this late in the game, is far from ideal. So you might be in a situation where you have to roll out a Barton. Hopefully it's not anything more than a, a, a plug-in LB3. Um, you know, that's that's kind of the ceiling of where I see him at with any level of confidence. Now, you may just be like, I have no one. All my linebackers are injured or on by or whatever, and I've got to roll this guy out. If that's the case, I'm sorry. Hopefully things go better for you next season. Uh, but let's roll forward, Jake. Talk about Saints versus 49ers. Uh, the Saints, unfortunately, one of the biggest disappointing teams for me. I would say they're the NFC equivalent of the Raiders. I had both those teams pegged for the playoffs before the season. Thought we would see better play from teams that were right there on that borderline and seemingly made some upgrades as well. But the season has just not played out the way we had hoped for the Saints and Raiders. The 49ers surging in the conversation for best team in the NFC, along with the Eagles and the Cowboys. The Vikings are in the mix as well. So let's talk Saints first. RSO question for you, Jake, and I, I'll be very curious to hear your take on this. Caden Ellis, 13.76 points per game, 56% of snaps. He has been delivering in a big way with Pete Warner sidelined not on IR folks I've checked into this a lot as best I can tell they expect Pete Warner to be back within four games I think otherwise they would have put him on IR now keep in mind sometimes teams do this it doesn't work out and they end up putting him on IR anyways but I think we can expect to maybe see Pete Warner back sometime this season IDP managers, we haven't, uh, we, we love Pete Warner. He's been great this season, but we haven't really missed a beat if you were able to go out and get Caden Ellis. But the question, RSO fans here, Jake, want to know, a league mate of mine, shout out Ben Raddy, extended Caden Ellis two years, four million total, so about two million per year. You like the deal? I do like the deal, actually. I like it a lot, and it boils down to several things for me. One, I mean, obviously, Ellis has delivered significantly here um, in, in the stead of Pete Warner. Uh, he's been able to get home for, I think, two and a half sacks in the last two games. He had one, you know, in a rotational uh, earlier rotational piece in the, earlier in the season. You know, he's, I think, averaging about eight or nine tackles per game, you know, five, six solos. He's, he's mixing it up. He's getting in there. He plays really downhill a lot, similar to Pete Warner. Uh, which, you know, are they, you know, meant to be more compliments to each other or kind of handcuffs to each other in that defense? So what will it look like uh, if Demario Davis were to depart from this team, who is, I think he's in his age 34 season, 35 season. So, and, you know, a tough, a tough situation like this where they're going to come in and maybe finish, you know, four or five, six wins or something like that. He might hang him up, him and Cam Jordan, and and Caden Ellis could very likely be the next piece of that defense that they're going to move forward with. So I look at this, especially in the RSO one, you've got to risk it for the biscuit, man. I mean, and that's that's the long and the short of it because, hey, everyone knows who's good, right? Everyone's going to listen to the IDP show. They're going to know all the great pieces coming into the offseason for their free agencies uh, and their auctions. you you got to take those chances ahead of time and call your shots. And, and this one I like. He's been hyper-efficient. Um, I like his pass rush upside. Uh, you know, the the Saints have always enjoyed blitzing their linebackers at a high rate. I, I think it's a I think it's a great play and a great value. Yeah, the value here is what ultimately I told uh, I told Ben. I said I probably wouldn't do it just because I've been in a situation where I've hitched my wagon to these questionable linebackers. Questionable just in the sense of like we don't know what's going to happen because he is the third 
you know, the third option there with Pete Warner and Demario Davis. But what if Demario Davis moves on? This is an interesting team. And a question here segues nicely into the next talking point for the Saints, Jake, and that this is sort of a team of extremes in terms of their defensive pieces. You have the older guys, Demario Davis, Cam Jordan, Tyrone Matthew, these sort of older vets, and then these up and coming young players in Pete Warner, in Kate Nellis, in Peyton Turner. Question for you, because I think we see two succession plans here playing out on parallel tracks. We see Pete Warner as the heir apparent to Demario Davis when Davis moves on. We also see Peyton Turner as the heir apparent to Cam Jordan when Cam Jordan moves on. Marcus Davenport, we've talked a lot about, very disappointing this season. I think he'll be elsewhere, so it should be. Peyton Turner season as the DN2 for the Saints. Even if Jordan is there, it should be LB2 season for Pete Warner if Demario Davis is there. But let's say both those guys clear out. Both the obstacles to more playing time are gone. Would you rather have Peyton Turner or Pete Warner in Dynasty? Pete Warner for me, hands down. Uh, you know, and I know Peyton Turner could, you know, definitely continue to grow. And he, and he should. I mean, he's a young guy. I think he's in the third year of his rookie contract. Uh, he was a late first round pick, but to me, uh, his inconsistency in, in delivering pressures at this point in the, in the in his career, his early career, um, I'd rather take the security of Warner. Warner showed he can do it as an LB two. Um, you know, even if he takes over, even if it's not as the green dot role, I mean, they clearly have uh, a way they want to roll him out there and use him every single week. Um, it, it's it's Warner hands down. Now Turner might be a nice kind of stash. Um, you know, if you can get him for the right value um, outside of that. But, you know, in a vacuum between those two, give me give me PD boy. Yeah, so this is a little bit of endowment bias for me. I have Peyton Turner on my main XFFL roster. But for me, it's closer than you think, even setting aside that bias because two reasons. Number one, I think that we are going to see an opportunity very soon for Peyton Turner. We mentioned Marcus Davenport out the door. So whatever sort of production you ascribe to Marcus Davenport, I think you can copy and paste that over for Peyton Turner alongside Cam Jordan. High, high draft pick. You mentioned first round pick. So he's going to be there. They'll probably pick up his fifth year option. Uh, but this is a situation too, where we talk about positional scarcity. And that's why for me, I think, Peyton Turner needs to be probably a little closer when you're kind of doing these two measuring sticks because I can find some linebackers. It seems like every week we have a Caden Ellis, a Jack Sanborn roll off the LB1 assembly line, whereas those edge rushers, those are coveted. So if you can get potentially the DN1, this person in the Cam Jordan role, that's extremely valuable to me. Even if we haven't seen that kind of production from Peyton Turner yet, the markers are there that this could be a great buy low candidate. So that's why I'm just a little bit closer, even though you're correct, Jake, the answer right now is Pete Warner. No, I, I think you make some great points and, that, and that's a really good thing to consider, right? You know, is, is, is where, where can you find these things? And you're right. I mean, you know, we find linebackers every single year, guys that, you know, maybe aren't even on a roster week one. Um, and here they come and they're delivering LB1, you know, LB2 type numbers uh, consistently for us when it comes time to make those playoff pushes. So, yeah, having that consistency in the defensive edge spot is huge. So, I mean, you're, I, I like where you're coming from with it. But, yeah, yeah, for me, in a bucket, we're going we're gonna to take Warner right now. 
There you go. So let's talk about the 49ers. This team is playing about as well as we probably ever have seen in the Kyle Shanahan era. Both offense and defense is clicking. Nick Bosa is that other person there. You got Miles Garrett. You got Micah Parsons. You got Max Crosby. And you got Nick Bosa in that DN1 conversation. Nick Bosa making a strong case, though. 21.43 points per game on 78% of snaps. Fred Warner, though, this is the player that we wanted to call out, Jake. Is anyone playing better than Fred Warner right now for IDP? And how do you view his dynasty outlook? Yeah, I I love me some Freddie Dub. I mean, he is out there just delivering week in and week out. And this is even with a guy out there alongside of him and Dre Greenlaw that I like for this week. Um, Dre Greenlaw is someone who gets a lot of that work. Um, on the on the running back side of the ball, um, he he attacked attacks downhill so well that you know even when Fred Warner, someone who's super athletic and able to really play that full sideline to sideline defense, you know uh, Greenlaw is already there making the play before Warner can even give it a consideration. And he's and and Warner's still out there delivering constantly. I look at last week; he was having uh, a respectable game, but then uh, late a late drive from the Chargers. He just went out there and he made two pass deflections on on one you know drive and that's the kind of thing he can do um, and you should be scoring well for pass deflections because big plays like that deserve to be recognized and um, you know with that said he's he's the guy who can do it all I think he had a sack too was it maybe uh, early in the second half I mean the guy gets all over the field and delivers in every aspect of that as such I yeah I think you guys had him at eight I mean that sounds about right I mean I wouldn't even be upset if you wanted to argue higher than that. Um, I think he's, you know, he just got the big contract recently. You know, linebackers who look at the Mario Davis can play and be efficient well into their 30s. Um, and he's someone I think that's got the skill set and the, and the capability uh, to do that because he's always in the right spot, it seems like, on the field, too. He's never out of position. You, you have to love a guy like that. And, and, and I do want to add one comment. I know there was some, some churn on Twitter, right, that calling out um, Warner as a top eight dynasty LB was kind of silly because he's never finished even inside the top 10. But in IDP, we see so much variability. I mean, greater variability year to year than you do on the offensive side of thing. If you can get a guy who's always going to be within, you know, 12 to 15 to 18 for their, their linebacker production, why wouldn't you want that year in and year out? I mean, to me, that makes him worth a top eight pick because in Dynasty, you can do that then. You can set them and forget them for four years versus worrying about what you're going to be doing the next year or the following. So, no, I love Fred Warner there, and I'm, I'm happy to say that I got him on my team, my team this year in my main league. So, There you go. That is what we love to see. Yes, I think like Demario Davis, Levante David, Eric Kendricks, we are going to see Fred Warner age very well for Dynasty because he is such a smart, sound player who's always in the right spot. So I think you could actually see a value bump. We've mentioned this before, a value bump for Fred later in his career as he becomes more that in-the-box linebacker, doesn't have the rangy kind of side sideline to sideline speed. Uh, so you could see the tackles tick up, even as the, maybe the big plays drop off later in Fred's career. Uh, yes, he is red wine because he ages beautifully. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for dropping that joke in there, Jake. That's amazing. Uh, Fred Redwine Warner. So let's talk about another player here that is a hot name for Dynasty, Talanoa Hufanga. 
checks in at number three, 10.7 points on 92% of snaps. When we do the top eight safeties video, Jake, where would you be ranking Talanoa Hufanga for Dynasty? I, I mean, I, I really tried hard to push him outside the top eight because it just felt so reactionary to this year, you know, off the top of my head. And I looked at it, I mean, I, I couldn't get really more than four or five people in front of him. You know, obviously you have Derwin. Uh, I talked about Brisker. I, I believe strongly in his performance this year is, is really going to be indicative of what he does moving forward. Um, you know, you guys have talked about, you know, Chauncey, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Um I, I still think Minka has the ability, even though he's regressed a bit this year, to be viable for that. I think his big play upside uh, still pops through for us some point this year. Plus, I don't know that they've figured out their linebacking core, so um, you, you're probably still going to see him deliver some uh, solid uh, tackle floors for you yet this year and, and moving forward. But once you get even to that point with Minka being a question mark, even as a Richie Grant fan and him him starting to deliver a bit in year two, I think he's I think he's ahead of most of that right there. You know, he's probably looking at like the four spot, maybe three, four. I mean, the guy is just he is playing out of his mind. Yeah, I think you have a strong case to make for Hufanga inside the top three, top four. That's probably where because myself, Adam and Bobby will all do our rankings and then combine them for these top eight videos. I'll probably have Hufanga somewhere inside the top three or four. I don't think you can push him much outside of that given what we've seen this season. So let's keep it rolling here, Jake. We got three more games to cover, and we're going to talk about the Los Angeles Rams, talk about disappointing teams, possibly shutting down Stafford for the season. We'll see. Playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. And um, let's start on the Rams side of things here, Jake. Leonard Floyd is actually leading the team in points per game over the last five weeks, 19.38 points per game on 85% of snaps. Leonard Floyd has been hot. Are you a believer in Floyd for the rest of the season? I, I really am, actually. He's someone that uh, I've, I've looked at a lot, and he's just been consistent in what he does week in and week out. He is getting uh, consistent pressures, hurries. He's winning uh his one-on-one -on -one battles every single week. Um, and he's just someone who's, who's done this consistently wherever he's gone. And I mean, it's, you know, they lost Sebastian Joseph day uh, in the off season. And he was a guy I really liked a lot that delivered a lot to the inside of that defense. Obviously there's the Aaron Donald impact, but Floyd did this even when he was in Chicago. I mean, he found ways to, to just consistently win week in and week out. And as such, I I'm, I'm on board with Floyd the rest of this year. I think he's going to be someone that, you know, I some maybe some places have him on waiver wire. Go out there and see if you can snatch him up. Otherwise, you know, I see what someone's willing to, to sell him off to you for at this point. Um, I I've been actually trying to scoop up a couple shares of him in a, a couple different places at this point, and yeah, I'm I'm ready to ride the train. It's about all they got left there in Los Angeles. So yeah. yeah. That's Take that's that's the thing. This team has not been very good. So look for bright spots where you can find them. And Flint, Leonard Floyd has been playing well. And even though he is not a guy that we tradi traditionally have said, hey, let's start Leonard Floyd in IDP. 
you just got to pay attention to what he's doing. 85% of snaps. This is not a Justin Houston situation where on half the number of snaps he is producing at this level, he has 19.38 on 85% of snaps. So he's playing well, and I think just keep plugging him in there. Bobby Wagner, 15.23 on 100% of snaps. Of course, you're starting B-Wags. Jalen Ramsey, 12.5 on 99% of snaps. You're rolling him out in CB required leagues. Aaron Donald, though, 12.89 points per game. Definitely been a bit of a down year from the highs that we have seen for Aaron Donald but with all the uncertainty surrounding the Rams what's your confidence level in Aaron Donald for dynasty Jake first of all it just feels weird to be like hey this guy's giving me 13 points a game and it's yes. such a down year for him I'm right? so like- disappointed in this guy <laughs> giving me 13 a week uh but yeah I mean but that that's who he is right and so I all the narratives around what he was and you know what he was going to do after the Super Bowl and I don't know. I I just don't feel good about this Rams team for 2023. And you're seeing so many more players be vocal about their, their long-term health after the game, you know, physical, mental. I I, I think, I think this is it for Donald, you know, I, sorry to say, but yeah, I know there's some, uh, some Rams fans out there, maybe not happy with that idea, but he, I think he's, he knows what he wants to do. And I I think that's going to be hanging him up at the end of this season. Yeah, I'm very, I don't know, maybe it's just a spidey sense, but I'm very worried that we could see a mass exodus from the Rams. Uh, Robert Mays was actually talking about this with Mike Sando on the Athletic Football Show recently that you could see Sean McVay make a bolt for the, the announcer's booth. You could see Matthew Stafford decide to hang it up, especially after what seems to be back-to-back concussions. Aaron Donald, yeah, he signed the the big deal, but like we talked about with Adam and Bobby, I don't think that matters for Aaron Donald. I think he is going to retire when he wants to retire, and then it's a domino effect. If McVay is gone, if Stafford is gone, if Donald is gone, does that mean Bobby Wagner moves on? What happens with Jalen Ramsey? Does this team just blow it up and start over? So, yes, I think Aaron Donald, he's going to make an appearance in our top eight uh, defensive tackle video but I could see him being down near the bottom of the list because of all these questions. I mean, the guy submitted his retirement papers and the Rams just never turned them in. So he's already thinking about retirement and coming off this God awful season, looking at an uncertain future. Do you want to come back? Maybe, but if a guy's already submitted those papers, I have a lot of question marks about what his future looks like there. So it is a cloudy outlook and, um, I don't know. I'm just going to be a little bit guarded. I think, Jake, if maybe you can sell Donald right now off the name, it's be a great time to do it. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, you should be selling. And, and I don't know. I mean, yes, he's been delivering, but, you know, maybe under expectations. You know, if you if you have, if your roster can withstand it, I mean, you sell him now to maximize that value because I, I really don't think he'll be back. I, I, I look at the NFL and, and they've done such a wonderful job as a as an organization to create parity in the league, you look at how many different teams are winning Super Bowls over how many different years. Um, I think I think players and coaches, exactly like you talked about this mass exodus, they're going to be so much more satisfied with knowing, like, hey, we played really well and we got a Super Bowl, right? So we were we were competitive for five, eight, ten years, whatever it was, um, and I got a Super Bowl in that run. I, I don't need to keep grinding more and more. Tom Brady is unnatural in what he has been and what he does. So to, to try and hold something up to that in terms of an expectation or a measuring stick is, is, is fool's gold. You know, I think you players and coaches are happy to have gotten their ring and move on and, 
and earn money in so many other ways and, and live their life in so many other ways. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think this, I think this roster's done. I, I sold Cooper cup shares um, this year, even, you know, uh, in that consideration, I, I don't like where the Rams are going to be. They're going to be in a bit of a rebuild and, and they're not long-term rebuild. They could be good as, as early as 2024, 25 again um, with some good work, but right now, 2023, I'm all out. Yeah. I'm out on the Rams. Could they come back? you know, and have a buck style third year where they bring the band back together one more time for one last run. Yes, they could, but man, that is such a tough needle to thread. Yes. The NFC is a bit depressed compared to the AFC in terms of getting into the playoffs and giving yourself yourself a shot at the Super Bowl. But even then, I don't know, man, I think there's a it's not a 50 50 that that happens. I think the more likely outcome is they run it back with the players they have in place for 2023, but just don't be surprised if we get to like March and there's some buzz around, Hey, a mass exodus may be coming for this Rams team. I don't think you'll be seeing a mass exodus from the Kansas city chiefs anytime soon. Jake leader in the clubhouse for them. Chris Jones, 20.38 points per game on 85% of snaps. Is there a more underrated superstar for the NFL and IDP than Chris Jones? Gosh, I don't know. There might not be right. And we even talked about some of the D tackles, you know, top in the league at this point um, earlier in the episode. And I, and I know you, you, you mentioned Chris Jones name as a part of that, but I mean, it was, it was definitely down the list, right? Like even, even us as people who, who see him deliver and have that value, he, he can still very easily slip down the, you know, to back of mind for us. And um, as such, yeah, he, he very well could be one of the most uh, underrated superstars. I've seen that meme or the the question going around Twitter, right? Like the, the, the three bars, like talent, whatever, and recognition was like super low and all the other stuff was high. And it's like, and all these people like Chris Jones fits that perfect. Right. I mean, he is just, I don't know. He had, we had about a little dip last year when they were trying to play him at edge and all that stuff, but they got him back in his position and they figured out like, Hey, this is where he has his biggest impact. Let's just let him rip and do his thing. Yeah. And they added some support around him. Carlos Dunlap. You got George Karloftis there. Frank Clark has actually been playing better than you might anticipate. 14.88 points per game on 41% of snaps. Question here about the linebackers, though, Jake, forever. This was a linebacker desert. As excited as you could get about these guys, you ultimately ended up betrayed because Steve Pespagnolo loves to torture us IDP managers. But it seems that Willie Gay and Nick Bolton have finally broken the curse. They are here at 16.58 points per game for Willie Gay on 69% of snaps. Nick Bolton, 96% of snaps, 15 Point six nine points per game. I believe Bolton clocked in at number three on our linebacker video. So here's the question, Jake. Would you rather pay sticker price for Nick Bolton or get the discount on Willie Gay? Yeah, at this point, it, it feels dangerous and dirty to say, but I, I think I'd pay up for Nick Bolton at this point. Um, he's, he's showing to be one of those outlier in terms of tackle efficiency. Um, you know, we talked about Alex Singleton doing that. Um, TJ Edwards, hashtag spoiler alert, upcoming matchup, you know, is, is another one of those types of, of players. But when you pair that with, you know, 95% plus snap counts, now, now all of a sudden you're looking at a difference maker in your lineup and, and difference maker in the fact that they're, they're going to win you weak sometimes because they're going to go ahead and they're going to give you that crazy tackle floor. Um, and Bolton has the ability to, to make big plays. I, I just think back to the end of last year when you made that huge 
uh, fumble recovery for touchdown. And I was like, no way this guy's going to outrun skill players down the, down the entirety of the field. And, and, and he did. I mean, the guy is uh, capable of doing those kind of things. And as such, I'm, I'm willing to pay up for that at this point. Um, and I sold my Nick Bolton shares uh, this off last offseason um, on that efficiency and on that uh, inconsistency or uncertainty with Steve Spagnuolo. I got burned, and so probably going to get burned here again. I'll go back and try and buy all my Nick Bolton shares back, and next thing you know, he's going to be back at a rotation with whoever else they pick up this offseason. They'll bring back, what's what's his face, Sorensen for some reason, just to mess with us all. Just to mess with us and further stick the knife into our hearts. But yeah, I think that's typically a good bet to make that you sell the outrageous tackle efficiency. I think looking at John Macri's charts, he was number one in tackles over expected for 2021. So that's a good bet to make. But I think what we didn't anticipate, at least what I didn't anticipate saying pretty much the same thing you would have said, which is this is a great time to cash out on Nick Bolton and why I would say Nick Bolton as well. I'm willing to pay sticker price is because Nick Bolton had a ceiling that we hadn't seen yet. And I think the reason I would be willing to pay sticker price, and I hinted at this in the video, is that I think there's maybe even more to his game that we haven't seen yet, even as he's beginning to surge. I mentioned that if we did this rankings video six months from now, would not be surprised if Nick Bolton was sitting at number one overall. That's how strongly I believe in what we've seen from Nick Bolton, what he's been able to overcome the inertia that he had to move to establish himself in the linebacking desert. I'm so impressed with Nick Bolton, even though Willie Gay is a great buy as well. So if you can go out there and get Willie Gay at a discount, you should do it. But Jake, let's go forward to the last two games of the week. We're going to start things off with Packers versus Eagles. One question for you on the Packers side of things here, Jake. Quay Walker, 15.04 points per game on 79% of snaps. We gave Quay Walker some love both in our top eight video and the last episode. He has stepped in admirably for Devondre Campbell, who is still coasting off of that 45.8 point performance in week seven, the leading points per game leader for the Green Bay Packers at 24.53, but he got injured in week eight and has not played since. It has been Quay Walker filling in 79% of snaps, 15.04 points per game. I don't know that you could really ask for a more encouraging start to a season than what we have gotten from Quay Walker. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you look at a guy, again, rookie coming in, stepping into that position, you know, he had, he had a chance to play uh, quite a bit so far this year, but not in that role of having to set the defense, wearing the green dot, all those things, right? He came in, he was playing 80-ish percent. Um, he was kind of in that, you know, secondary role where he could go out there and just be a playmaker or focus on, you know, attacking the ball more so than anything else. You know, now switch it up these last few weeks with Campbell out. He was the guy given the green dot. He has to make sure the defense is aligned. And he's doing this at a high level. Um, and, he's, and he's still able to go out there and, and deliver IDP production, which is, insane in my opinion for for a rookie to be doing um not having had that experience kind of put upon him in, in the beginning part of the year so um and i think i'm going to steal a little bit of what you said with nick bolton because this is exactly where i think quay walker might be right now is we we are seeing i think his floor at this point and that that upside for what he could be moving forward you, you might want to be trying to get in on them now, even though it feels like, you know, you're maybe buying some, you know, production overall. I think, I think you're, he's about to unlock the next level here, you know, whether it's 
the rest of this season. And then who knows what next season, what, what they do, right? Linebackers can be a pretty fluid room in terms of uh, who's in there. Campbell, Campbell could maybe move on if, uh, if they really love what they see with Quay. Not saying that's the likely scenario, but again, that upside for Quay just, I think you gotta, you gotta chase it at this point. Yeah, I don't have the contract in front of me, but I imagine that Campbell will be there at least for a bit longer, maybe one more year. Depends on when they can get out of that deal. But I have said on this pod before, I think it could be as soon as next season that Quay Walker for IDP is the LB1 with Devondre Campbell as the LB2 there. Um, similar to maybe Jacksonville. I think we could see that flip at some point. We didn't talk about it. Devin Lloyd disappointing recently. When I mentioned earlier, these guys are just rookies. That's the other player I was thinking of. We need to be patient with Devin Lloyd. This is a little bit of a bump in the road with the rookie year. Not what we wanted to see. But again, give these guys time. I think it's only a matter of time before both Quay Walker and Devin Lloyd are the LB1s for their teams. But... On the Philadelphia side, Javon Hargrave, Jake, is the leader for the Eagles in points per game over the last five weeks, 24.22 points per game on 70% of snaps. What's your confidence level starting Javon Hargrave given Philadelphia's rotation along the defensive line? It, it feels a little scary right now. Uh, I, won't, I won't lie, especially with uh, Linval Joseph and, and, and Dominican Sue coming in. And both of those guys getting early snaps, right? I mean, but they're they're very tenured and very successful pros that they know what they need to do when they get out there. So it's going to be easy to get them on the field. However, uh, Hargrave is someone who's gone ahead and he's played, you know, with limited snaps before in the past in terms of, you know, having Fletcher Cox and, and other types of people alongside and, and even Jordan Davis earlier in the year. And he's still finding a way to be efficient with those. So I don't feel great starting him as, you know, like a, a DL2, DL, you know, DL3 for sure, but DL2 kind of a little iffy when you got everything mixed in there. But at DT required, you got to fire this guy up every week. I mean, that's, there's no question at this point. His, his upside is, is for sure um, uh, big enough that you, you can, you can take the, the lows with the highs because, yeah, that's another one. He can come in there and give you, three sacks in a week and you're just like what from, from yeah. my deep from my d tackle spot like yeah we've seen this before we saw this last season now he cooled off he came back to earth after a hot start to the 2021 season and even with the reinforcements coming in there yes that does lower the the floor a little bit it's a little riskier play but yeah dt uh, dt required leagues yes DL three consideration in like sleeper leagues. Yes. Probably not rolling them out there as like a top two DL, but DL three. Absolutely. A couple more questions here for you, Jake, CJ Gardner, Johnson, 22 points per game on 99% of snap. Should Adam make CJ his IDP MVP for 2022? If I have to tell him at this point, that just that's just, that feels silly. Of course he has to. I want to hear everything he's got to say about CJ Gardner Johnson. But yeah, that's out. I mean, I don't want to say out of nowhere because he 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 delivered you know some solid performances while he was in the, in New Orleans with the Saints. It was just one of those things where you know they always had other guys that they wanted to try to work around them and and kind of I don't want to say a rotation necessarily, but he just he wasn't getting you know I guess featured in that defense and now. Coming into Philadelphia, I mean, he is he is the safety back there. Um, you know, they got uh, James Bradbury, they got Darius Slay. That secondary is becoming 
a strength for this uh, Philly defense. And that's saying something when you got the the rotation that you have up front with Hassan Reddick, Javon Hargrave, Jordan Davis, and Dominican Sue. I mean, I, I feel like I'm, you know, listing off a Pro Bowl roster when I say some of these names. And But you're still saying that that secondary is becoming a strength of that defense. Um, and as such, you know, Gardner Johnson is just feasting on, on mistakes that the quarterback is making. Um, you know, he's he's a guy who's going to chirp in all the, uh, the, the offensive players' ears. He's, I don't know, he's just he's got a nose for it, and he and he gets to it. So, yeah, he's he stirs the pot. He is absolutely going to be chirping. He gives you attitude. He gives you an edge for that defense. I think he's the heart and soul of this defense. But an underrated aspect. Jake, that I did not want to skip over here. TJ Edwards, 16.24 points per game on 95% of snaps. I love this. Adam does the consistency charts for the IDPs in his dynasty rankings. So you can see the logs. You can see when these guys have put up great games, average games, bad games. And TJ Edwards is going to be all green across the board. In the consistency charts, he has scored double digits every single week. This dude does not get enough love. He is a locked and loaded stud at LB for your IDP leagues. I mean, you said it exactly. I mean, that's what he does week in, week out. Um, he did this last year, too. He was uh, very efficient with his tackling last year. Um, and so was Alex Singleton while he was there. And so that was one of those things where I became a little skeptical. Maybe that was just the situation. And both of those guys are proving, nope, it's who they are this year, right? That's TJ Edwards. That's Alex Singleton. They're just, they just get after the ball and they make those plays. And that's why, that's why you're going to be firing up Edwards every week um, as a high end one LB every time. That's right. So this team is really good. Let's move to a couple teams that aren't maybe as good, but, uh, and it pains me as a Colts fan to say that, but the Monday night game Steelers versus Colts. Jake, let's start on the Pittsburgh side of things. Is there a bigger boost for managers than getting back TJ Watt for the stretch run? What a godsend this late in the season to get this guy back. Well, and, and to get him back and, and have him play the way he's playing, he, he it looks like he's truly back to you know his former self. Maybe 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 ninety five percent right or something like that because he can just be otherworldly. But you know, eighty percent of TJ Watt is you know still ten percent more than <laughs> pretty much every other defensive end out there, uh, except maybe Max Crosby. But uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, th- this is this is insane. The fact that he's coming back and delivering like this, you know, you know, go ahead and start buying your uh, your trophy smack rings or wherever you get your swag from because it's 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 coming when you got TJ Watt on your roster. Yeah, when you can drop him back into your lineups, that is absolutely dynamite. Cameron Hayward, we should mention here, number three, 12.39 points per game on 100% of snaps. Levi Wallace has also been really good as well, 15.43, 94% of snaps. He's actually the leader for the Steelers in points per game over the last five weeks. Alex Highsmith, 10.81, 88% of snaps. I wanted to draw your attention, though, to Minka Fitzpatrick, 9.42 points per game on 80 percent of snaps we mentioned that trio of deep playmaking safeties have fallen off this season minka fitzpatrick jesse bates kevin byard jake this late in the season are we starting any of these three guys uh, minka's the one i'm willing to roll out there i think i talked about a little earlier in the podcast that you know that 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 second level of the, the steelers defense still is so uncertain that i'm, I'm comfortable with what Minka can give you in terms of uh, some of that tackle production. Um, I know it's dropped off significantly from last year, which was an outlier. You don't see a deep safety 
racking up a hundred tackles like that. Um, but you know, Bates, I, I, I'm definitely out on Bates. I, he was someone that was super volume dependent and making those plays downfield. Um, and you know, he really, really thrived on that. Um, and you thought maybe, okay, this is an outlier guy you can do this year in, year out, year in, year out, but it's not the case for him moving forward. And I, I don't see him as a future with Cincinnati either. So his role becomes a little uncertain as well, um, beyond the season, but yeah. And, and Kevin Byer too, same thing. He was someone who, you know, started to see more actual box usage this year. And I thought, oh, maybe, you know, maybe this is what he's going to kind of morph into. And, you know, he's going to be able to be consistent moving forward in that regard. But, you know, not not fully started to shift back again a bit. And, yeah, he's just kind of kind of fading into the background. So Minka's really the only one I would give any consideration to starting um, outside of, you know, um, maybe some desperation plays. Yeah, agreed. I think we have found a cousin to the Cleveland linebacker situation, though, Jake, in these Pittsburgh linebackers, Miles Jack, Robert Spillane, Devin Bush, all between 9.42 points per game for Miles Jack, Spillane 7.63, Devin Bush 6.25, all in that 60 to 70% snap range. What are we doing here? Is this just a stay away situation? It seems really messy in Pittsburgh right now. Yeah, Miles Jack was a pleasant surprise to start the year. So it does feel disappointing to say at this point in the season, yeah, you might want to try to stay away from the situation. Uh, unless, you know, Miles Jack can come back strong here this week and show us that he is the leader of that linebacking room, I, they might be just trying to figure out what they have there with everything at this point in the season. You know, their, their record's not uh, one that's looking very positive for moving forward into the playoffs. Maybe they're not, you know, statistically eliminated yet. But I think Tomlin, you know, knows that his job is safe and he knows what he's trying to, what he's going to needs to do going forward. And I think he's trying to figure out what some of those pieces are. So I, I'd stay away from it unless Jack can prove you, you know, 90, 95% plus this week. Yeah. I'm letting things normalize. All these guys are going onto my bench until we see a linebacker get into that 85 plus percent of snaps territory. And right now these guys are just not doing that. So I'm sitting all of them down two linebackers. I'm not sitting down Zaire Franklin, Bobby O'Karake Zaire Franklin, 15.81 points per game on 99% of snaps. Bobby O 13.4 on 82%. Jake, we talked about Zaire Franklin earlier in the season in that IDP short. You really opened my eyes to how well Zaire Franklin had been playing. I thought Bobby O was going to be gone in 2023, but with Leonard coming off back surgery, do we think there's a chance maybe Bobby O sticks around? That's that's a great question, Josh. And, and, and what really gets me is, is Bobby O's playmaking. That's the thing that always just, you know, even when he was in the rotation, when, when Leonard was still kind of healthy and not healthy, like he was going out there and only playing 60% of the snaps, but he was finding ways to, to impact the game significantly, right? Interceptions, passes deflected, forced fumbles, you know, diving on the fumble recoveries. Uh, I, I just, I, I wonder what they're going to do with that, especially if, uh, you know, Chris Ballard ends up moving on for some reason, somehow uh, a new, a new regime comes in there. I, I, I'm very interested to see what happens there. And, and, you know, you can call your shots early on it if you want. I, I called my shot on Zaire um, I went out there and tried to grab him as many places as I could, even though he was performing well at the beginning of the year. Um, a lot of people, you know, namesake with Bobby Owen and Shaq Leonard were saying, sure, go ahead and have Zaire cheaper, right? Um, I think he's the guy going forward, but number two is as clear as mud to me at this point. So 
Um, that flip a coin. Yeah, Ballard, I think is a is a wild card. I think it will depend on how this team finishes up the season. If I had to put money on it, I think he's gone. I think Saturday is gone. I think they have a new head coach, a new general manager, a new quarterback, and I think they turn the page and start fresh with this team. Now, before Shaq Leonard went on IR with the back surgery, I would have said it's Zaire Franklin. It's Shaq Leonard. Maybe they can get something for Shaq. I don't think they can, given that he's coming off a major surgery. And at that cap number, I don't think any, anybody's going to be willing to trade. Maybe you get a late pick for him. But then do you really want a late pick for a guy that's that big of a difference maker? Maybe you see how he's doing in his recovery. Maybe he's not doing as well as you had hoped. I think there's a better than 50-50 chance that Bobby O is back with the Colts, especially if Chris Ballard remains the general manager. Now, if Ballard is gone... I think that changes the formula considerably. Uh, I extended Bobby O in our RSO league just because I think whether he's back with Indianapolis or he lands a big free agent deal and goes somewhere to be a starting LB, this dude's a playmaker. He's gotten a lot of love from analysts this, this season showing off, hey, look at what Bobby O is doing. So I think either way, I have a good outlook for Bobby O, whether it's I would actually, I think at this point, rather him go somewhere else just because Shaq Leonard will be back at some point unless they can move him. And unless they do move him, that just muddies the waters if they brought Bobby O back. I'd almost rather him go somewhere else so we can have Zaire Franklin and Shaq Leonard there. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a situation to keep an eye on because we have three good linebackers for IDP and no clear answer on how things are going to shake out. And I just want to wrap up here, Jake. I joked about it earlier this season, but the only thing Colts fans are cheering for at this point is getting a Pro Bowl nod for Grover Stewart. Grove is averaging 12.58 points per game on 72% of snaps, sort of like Vita Vea, Jake, in that he is a great for NFL defensive tackle that should get more recognition. Should he be in your IDP lineups? Probably not. Hopefully you have better options, but I think you could do worse than Grover Stewart, Grover Stewart in your IDP defensive tackle spot. But for Colts fans, man, it has been fun to watch the season that Grover Stewart has put together. When I saw the show, Doc, I immediately went to the NFL.com website and I got onto the Pro Bowl voting. I, I've cast my vote for Grover, man. I, I do. I've, I've actually uh, I had to start him in one in a couple of leagues. Uh, for some filling for me and he delivered man the guy the guy can do it you know on a given week but uh yeah he's not he's not that dt1 that we're, we're excited to roll out there uh but i mean he is just he's he's made an impact on that that colts defensive line and yeah i really hope he gets a, a chance to play in the pro bowl whatever it is that they're doing this year because now this year it's something completely new right yeah it's the pro bowl game itself is gone but just getting that selection would be a great little you know trophy for his trophy case and uh i'd love to see grover stewart play some dodgeball or mini golf or whatever they're going to have these guys do it. get them on a madden tournament whatever they want to do with grover stewart is good with me jake this has been a fantastic preview we are cresting the hill at a little over two hours and 10 minutes. Why not? This is a loaded slate of games. We are coming down the home stretch here. Week 12, week 13, week 14. We're going to be taking care of you. We've got the football guys coming at you for the week 13 preview next week. And then Adam and Johnny will be back to help you secure your spot in the playoffs in week 14. Then we've got some really fun stuff cooking for the fantasy playoff previews. But Jake, 
thank you for coming on, bringing the goods. Tell the folks what you have coming up and where they can find you online. Absolutely. Uh, so all my written work, uh, if you subscribe here with the IDP show, um, you can get my start sit newsletter from them. Uh, it's also over at Reality Sports Online, which uh, if you're looking for a different style of league, uh, especially contract and dynasty focused, uh, they're, they're the bee's knees, if you ask me. So uh, get out there, check them out. Um, otherwise, I, I just I love uh, hanging out on Twitter. Uh, hit me up on there. I love uh, talking start sits, just kind of thought processes for IDP. Um, or anything else that you got out there. So I uh, look forward to interacting with all of you. And Josh, thank you so much for the opportunity to come out here and uh, and talk with you guys. I, I love it. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Has the trip to fan worn off at this point? Oof. Now I, I know I'm riding that IDP high right now. So that that's what I got going on. It's time to go watch Team USA and maybe take a nap as we <laughs> soar into the weekend post-Thanksgiving. Christmas is on the horizon, and so is the fantasy football playoffs. Y'all stay tuned. We are going to take good care of you. Subscribe over at the idpshow.com. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash at the IDP show. And make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. If you enjoy these types of episodes, leave us a five-star rating and a written review over on Apple Podcasts and a five-star rating on Spotify helps us out a lot. We are very thankful for you, our listeners, our viewers, our readers. Thank you for all the love and support. We sincerely appreciate it, and we are going to take care of you all the rest of the season. So until next week, with the great Sigmund Bloom signing out for Jake Colhagen, this is Josh Raymer. We will see you all next week. <laughs>